What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V here. Now, on this episode, episode 153, we have our Week 11 uh, NAI Women's Flag Football recap for this 2022 season here. This last week, we saw the last regular season uh, games for the Sun Conference, which I'll talk about later here with my guy, Cody Stoffer, uh, my other co-host here. And then also, this last weekend, we had the KCAC uh, postseason tournament, the Invitational. And so, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up. If you don't want the, I guess, results of that uh, postseason tournament spoiled, don't look at the, uh, I mean, don't look at the timestamps, right? Uh, just just listen it through. And so, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to go ahead and recap all of the KCAC games here. And then, I'll bring in Cody Stoffer here later. And we'll react to the results, um, preview the national tournament just a little bit uh, with some of these teams. Because they will be going there next here in a couple weeks uh, over in Atlanta, Georgia. And then myself and Cody, we will also talk about the Sun Conference. Uh, real quick, talk about some of those last games and all that. But that'll be in that segment later. But first off, let's go ahead and hop into this one here. Starting with the Midland versus Cody game here now. Uh, they've met up a, a couple times here in the last couple weeks. This would actually be their third meeting in two weeks in these last two weeks you're so very familiar last couple times midland straight up uh blue cotty out and so going into this one you know midland is definitely favored obviously having done that um these last couple times and so uh here's here's kind of how it went down you know this was uh uh, it was a blowout. I'm just going to be real. You know, I'm not going to talk about this one too much because there are other games that I want to talk about a little bit more in depth. But Midland did beat Cotty 45-6 here. Angel Yuani uh, got the starting spot at quarterback for Midland here. She went 10-14 for 83 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. I believe two of those, two or three of those came in the first half here. Uh, Haley Stanton, she got in in this game all in the fourth quarter. She went 8-11 of 11 for 75 yards two touchdowns also had six rushes for 36 rushing yards as well getting it done Michaela Nunez at receiver caught five passes for 36 yards and two touchdowns Casey Thompson uh, had a touchdown on two reception for um for 14 yards and then um I want to say it's Spencer Malk she also caught a pass for 12 yards and a touchdown I want to say that's their center so there you go. Shine Durando led the team at receiver, led Midland at receiver with 45 receiving yards on four catches and a touchdown. And then Shade Irvin ran the ball 11 times for 59 yards and two rushing touchdowns here. Midland also on the day played very well on defense here. Four interceptions. Uh, Casey Thompson had one. Shine Duran, Michaela Nunez, and Angel Yuani also had a pick in this game as this Cotty offense honestly just struggled. And they have been, you know, obviously going into this game. Uh, Midland knew them very well. And so this was 
kind of not really a, a super close game here. Midland, they scored three touchdowns here in the first quarter, and they just didn't look back from there. So there you go. Cotty, obviously a team that is continuing to build uh, season upon season. Obviously, this next upcoming offseason, they're getting a pretty big and really good recruiting class here. And so that's definitely a team to look out for. But this season, I mean, this is just kind of what happened, and uh, that's how they're... Um, in-conference play will end ahead of the national tournament. So there you go. So Cotty, um, they lose to Midland 45-6. to Midland moves on, and they play Ottawa uh, right after this. Well, they played them right after this game here, who kind of had a little bit of a bye, if you want to say that. Now, this next game, Midland versus Ottawa, I I'm going to go ahead and actually reserve a lot of my reactions for the end here. So, I'm just going to recap the game straight up. But, here we go. We have Ottawa versus Midland. Winner moves on to the conference championship. Now, this game was actually pretty close here. Wind was definitely a bit of something to consider as uh, teams struggled to pass the ball, obviously, with the high winds that were taking place here in Kansas. And so, just keep that in mind. But, Ottawa, they did take the early 13-0 lead here thanks to two Jaslyn Camacho receiving touchdowns but Midland would cut into this lead here at the start of the second quarter when Angel Yuani capped off a nice drive uh, finding Cassandra uh, Chavez for a touchdown and that would go ahead and make this a 13-6 game. After that, here in the second quarter, this Midland defense, you know, they, they came to play early on here as they would go ahead and intercept two Madison Carrera passes, picking her off. Um, I believe it's Amari Carroll getting the first one and then Casey Thompson getting the next one. But unfortunately, despite intercepting this Ottawa team twice, which has not happened really that much, maybe one other game this season, um, but after that happened, or despite that happening, you know, this Midland offense just could not get anything going and um, unfortunately just couldn't capitalize on some of those uh, interceptions here. This did also include a drive where, you know, the clock was winding down. It was near the end of the game. They're on the eight yard line, eight yards away from scoring, and they almost scored a touchdown to potentially tie this game. But uh, Ottawa DB Jennifer Anthony went ahead and broke up that pass that was intended for Michaela Newton for Michaela Nunez to prevent that from happening and so uh, going into the second half it was actually 13 to 6 a relatively close game in the second half though Midland would actually have another chance to score and potentially uh, tie this one up again but their drive unfortunately ended on a dropped pass on fourth down here and so that really hurt their, mo their momentum as Ottawa right after that drive would go ahead and score here Jasmine Camacho getting her third touchdown of the game making it 20 to six going into the fourth and into the fourth quarter Ottawa dominated here in this last quarter not allowing another Midland score in fact they would I believe it was Abby Brown would intercept uh, one of the passes by Angel Yuwani here that would go ahead and set up a touchdown to Clara Bodaway uh, one of the two touchdowns they scored in this fourth quarter the other touchdown going to Alyssa Linkus and so Ottawa go went ahead and uh, kind of survived with a little bit of a scare here a little bit of a close call, but they still beat Midland 34-6 in in a game that they needed to win, obviously, to get to the conference championship. So there you go. Uh, Madison Carrera, she went 17 of 22, 170 passing yards, five passing touchdowns, did throw two interceptions, though. Had 
and also had 85 rushing yards, so that's pretty good for her. Jazzin Camacho, she led this Ottawa offense, uh, the receiving core at least, with five receptions, 76 receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns. On defense, Abby Brown had seven tackles and an interception. Jennifer Anthony had seven tackles and four pass deflections. And then Angel Yuani for Midland, not, not a bad game. Only had one turnover this game. Uh, but she won 22 of 43 for 148 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. As Ottawa beats Midland, like I said, 34-6 and moved on to the conference championship. Alright, now let's go ahead and hop onto the other side of this bracket here. We have the University of St. Mary versus Kansas Wesleyan uh, University here. Both of these teams, you know, they, they've met these last couple weeks and had a lot of close games. Uh, one that was very memorable was when uh, St. Mary did go up 20-0 to on Kansas Wesleyan. And then KWU did lead a 21-point comeback, winning the game 21-20 to at the end there. And then you also have a bunch of other matchups where Kansas Wesleyan did beat St. Mary, but it was by maybe a score or two here. And so, um, these teams have played each other extremely close and going into this game that was absolutely what would happen and so let's go ahead and hop into this as this was a very good game here and so St. Mary the Spires they would actually start with the ball here and it was a Shia Smith for the Spires that would go ahead and give them their first down on the speed option pitch but unfortunately after a couple dropped passes it would lead to a fourth and five um they would go ahead and try to go for it here they rolled out their quarterback Shine Galbraith but she did throw the ball and the pass was dropped and so Kansas Wesley and took over on offense here and so on offense here we have Brianna Hernandez Silva at quarterback um first team by the way all conference first team uh, for these Kansas for this Kansas Wesleyan team and so at quarterback Silva she goes ahead and gets this party started with the 20 yard rush to get them into the red zone Right after that, she rolls out and throws to a wide-open receiver in Ashley Hawthorne for the touchdown. Don't get the conversion because of a miscommunication, but they're up 6-0 just like that with 7 minutes left in the first quarter. Now, the Spires, they take over on offense here, and after a penalty was called um, on, on the Spires, so after that penalty... Galbraith would then find Jerrica Johnson for a big 10-plus yard reception that would go ahead and make up those penalty yards and give them the first down as well. Galbraith, after that, would then make a tough throw on a hitch route to Ashlyn Tuss, completing that one, which would get them another consecutive first down here as they are moving this thing. Then, they pitch it to Ashia Smith, who gets them about 10 yards just short of the first down uh, and the red zone here. But a couple plays later, this Kansas Wesleyan defense, they stand up strong here. And on fourth down, Brianna Hernandez-Silva comes up with a big tackle for loss on Ashia Smith, giving Kansas Wesleyan the ball back. Uh, another turnover on downs. And then right before this quarter ended, Silva finds Angel Roman on a nice 17-yard gain on a drag route to get the drive started, um, by the way, after a penalty. And then after another penalty, <laughs> Silva finds Roman down the sideline, uh, who then makes the player miss and gives them the first down at just about midfield, and that's where they would get started here in the second quarter. So here we go in the second quarter. This Kansas Wesleyan team is driving, looking to make it a two-score game, and it starts with Silva once again 
again scrambling to go ahead and get them into into the red zone and then Silva a couple plays later finds Angel Roman on a short hitch route who then walks it into the end zone for a touchdown once again they don't get the conversion so it's 12 to 0 but still regardless a two score game with nine minutes left in the half here now Sean Galbraith she's trying to take a shot here trying to get this you know spire offense going but she takes a shot into double coverage and Abriana Hernandez Silva gets an easy interception and returns it that in a, in a way that puts Kansas Wesleyan in the red zone they're maybe 10 or 15 yards away as this was one of the first sub uh, plays of this spire drive here so already you know Kansas Wesleyan they have all the momentum right here a couple plays later on a beautiful timing route Silva completes a great pass to Angel Roman who dives and protects the ball for a short touchdown but once again, they're not able to get the conversion as Ellie Campbell comes up big and deflects that pass. Still, though, they're up 18 to 0 with seven minutes, about seven minutes left in this half. And so the Spires take over looking to score here or get something going right before the half ends. They don't want to go into halftime down three scores, obviously. And so here's how it gets started. Galbraith eventually finds Caroline Simpson for a nice sideline snag for about 10 plus yards that would go ahead and get them into Kansas Wesleyan territory. Nice uh, little toe tap uh, catch there by Caroline Simpson there. After that, Galbraith on the run avoids the rusher, then rifles a nice pass uh, to a wide open Jerrica Johnson wide, right over the middle, who then takes it into the red zone for a nice 20 plus yard reception. So a huge play for the Spires to jumpstart this offense and team and get them back into this game here. Galbraith two plays later then finds Jerrica Johnson one more time on a great pass where she falls into the end zone for a touchdown. Then... On the conversion here, Kansas Wesleyan, they decide to blitz three. Galbraith reads it perfectly, finds a wide open Ashland Tuss for the conversion. And just like that, they cut into this lead. Kansas Wesleyan, though, still leading 18-7. to After that, after a run and incompletion uh, for Kansas Wesleyan on offense, Silva then completes a beautiful throw on a nice corner out to Angel Roman in time for a big 20-plus yard reception. Unfortunately, a personal foul on the Spires adds 10 more yards to that, and so Kansas Wesleyan will take over in USM territory after that series of events. But you have a miscommunication and a false start penalty that would push Kansas Wesleyan back, uh, pretty far back, honestly, bringing up a pretty difficult second down, second on long. And then on second down, a shy miss. Uh, Shia Smith, sorry, gets a huge sack on Silva, um, throwing an incompletion there on third down, and that brings up a fourth and 16, and so the Spire defense beginning to play pretty well here, you know, taking advantage of some of these miscues from Kansas Wesleyan and forcing a punt. Now, after a missed opportunity on a deep ball on first down, a player was wide open. It was just slightly overthrown here. Galbraith then finds Jerrica Johnson under pressure over the middle for a nice 10-yard reception. She would then find Johnson again go back to her on a nice little 10-yard out route with about 22 seconds left. And then Galbraith, after running around, pitches it to Ellie Campbell. Really close, by the way. Her flag almost got pulled on uh, Galbraith, that is. But gets the pitch off. Campbell gets a nice 10 yards with about 9 seconds left and so that makes it a first and goal uh, about on the 18 but 
unfortunately, you know, for the Spires at least. Uh, Kansas Wesleyan, they bring the pressure and Galbraith does throw it out of bounds. And so that is called an intentional grounding uh, penalty as she wasn't out of the pocket, I believe. And plus there weren't any receivers there. And so that would basically end the quarter there. You know, this Kansas Wesleyan defense getting to her and forcing a kind of a tough error to make right before the half ends. And so going into halftime, Kansas Wesleyan, you know, still leading 18-7, to but the Spires offense, you know, showing some life here at the end, though. To start the third quarter, though, uh, Kansas Wesleyan, they would have the ball in a spot to go back up by three score. And so Kansas Wesleyan, they have the ball to start in the third quarter here and so to start this drive off Silva finds uh, Kendra Velasquez Monroe on the check down who makes a great catch by the way and go ahead and gets them the first down on a nice five plus yard reception Silva then takes off for a nice scramble for about eight or so yards uh, on first down making it second and three and then Shannon Cooley, who came back in this tournament. I, I kind of predicted it last week. I wasn't completely sure, but she came back for this tournament. For this is the first game she has played all season. Obviously, last year she was a starter for them on offense and defense. And I believe was an all-conference starter as well. But Shannon Cooley came up with a huge sack on third down that would eventually force Kansas Wesleyan to punt this ball. Just great defense by the Spires team to stop them at midfield now the spires a couple plays later on offense find themselves uh, in a third down situation and so here on third down shine galbraith pitches it to a smith the running back who goes ahead and gets the first down and crosses into kansas wesleyan territory converting there Galbraith then finds Caroline Simpson on the sideline again for a nice 13-yard reception on the edge of the red zone. Great toe-tap catch again by Caroline Simpson, who, uh, by the way, all-conference first-team wide receivers, so keep that in mind. Um, definitely um, has had a great season so far. But after that, Galbraith then finds Jerrica Johnson on the hitch, who gets the first down and puts them in the red zone, just a couple yards away from another touchdown to cut into this lead. And so on second down, Galbraith pitches it to Ashire Smith, who gets a nice a gain of 10 plus yards or so, a good situation, but uh, she basically puts them on the one on third down. And on third down, Galbraith throws it quickly to Jerrica Johnson, who makes a nice all-hands catch, extending completely for this one, and then bringing it in for the touchdown, making this a one-score game. On the conversion, Galbraith finds Smith, uh, Ashire Smith, uh, who falls into the red zone, getting the conversion, making it 18-14. to 14. Kansas Wesleyan, they still have the lead, but the Spires, like I said, they're coming back here. They're ready to make some noise, and uh, they continue to make some noise as on defense, this Spires defense forces a three and out thanks to an excellent play by Ashia Smith to stop Jada Wilson on the jet sweep on first down, and then on second down, a great job by the Spires defense to shut down an RPO, you know, so a pass option here preventing silver from running it and then deflecting that pass as well and so all that would eventually lead to a three and out and a punt and so here we go the spires have the ball with a chance to go ahead and take this lead here after a missed throw on the run to Caroline Simpson, Galbraith then finds Jerrica Johnson for about 8 or so yards just short of the first down uh, here on second down 
After that, Galbraith then finds Tyler Campbell uh, on third down over the middle, who breaks this one loose and gets uh, the Spires on the goal line, basically, in the red zone for a first down. So they're basically on the one after just a great play by Ellie Campbell to go ahead and snag this one and then slip a couple defenders and get up uh, into, into uh, the red zone here and on the one at that. So, just a great play by Campbell here. A big play by Campbell here. And then on first down, Galbraith throws the slant route to Ashlyn Tuss. But unfortunately, she does drop this one. And that's how this third quarter would end. Uh, the Spires, you know, making a run here. Trying to find their way into the conference championship for the first time in program history. And so, here we go. Fourth quarter. Galbraith... Doesn't lose faith in her receiver. Goes back to Ashlyn Tuss, who brings this one in for a touchdown on a nice little drag route. And gives the Spires the first lead of the game here, here in the fourth quarter. And then on the conversion, Galbraith finds Jerrica Johnson, who makes a diving one-handed catch. Just, just think about that for a minute here. She dove for a one-handed catch. At least that's how it looked to me for the conversion. Makes a catch, making it a 21-18 lead here. The comeback is complete. Complete. The Spires has completed an 18-point or a three-score comeback of their own here on the Kansas Wesleyan Coyotes. At least, you know, so far in this game, there's plenty of a uh, game to be played here, but the Spires have stormed back for now. Now, Kansas Wesleyan, they're trying to respond back here. You know, their offense has uh, kind of struggled a little bit here, partially in thanks to, you know, the Spires team playing very well on defense. And so they get the first down. But after that, Ashlyn Tuss almost intercepts a pass that was thrown directly at her. Um, but, but fortunately for Kansas Wesleyan, this one is dropped here. Kansas Wesleyan will then take a deep shot to Kui Wailai, um, but it would be incomplete here. And so that brings up a third and nine for Kansas Wesleyan. Now on third and nine, Silva decides to take this one on her own, calls her own number, splits a couple defenders, and just barely misses out on the first down conversion, making it fourth and one just short here and so here we go on fourth and one they're at about midfield uh they basically call quarterback power they stack the box here have a couple players all stacked up and so they run silva up the middle and she just barely gets across uh for the first down here which is a key play for kansas wesley in here and so they're across midfield. They got the first down. That's big for them. A couple plays later, though, it is fourth and six. And so uh, Kansas Wesleyan, they need to convert here to keep this drive alive. Uh, as time is running out, you just got to keep that in mind. It is the fourth quarter. And so Silva gets the snap. She is running around in the backfield, just trying to buy as much time as possible. Eventually, a receiver flares open over the middle. And she does get the ball to her. Makes a very accurate throw. But the receiver cannot bring it in as the ball does fall to the ground here. And so that's a turnover on downs. And the Spires take over with six minutes left. If they score here, they basically put this one away. But they're also in a good situation to kind of use up the rest of this clock here. So you got to keep that in mind. They're trying to use up this clock. But ultimately, they want to score and go to the conference championship. And so here we go. Galbraith gets this thing started, finding Jerrica Johnson over the middle for a nice 10-plus yard reception to go ahead and uh, get them across midfield and get them into Kansas Wesleyan territory. 
after an Ashaya Smith rush and a, and a Maya Plotz catch, Galbraith on third and three takes it for herself on first down and more getting them into the red zone. And so they're using all these downs, as you could see here, to use as much time as possible while leading a very methodical offensive drive. And so in the red zone here on first down, Galbraith looking to put this one away, rolls out left, which is interesting because she's a right-handed quarterback, and throws it to Jerrica Johnson, who does have a step on her DB, but the ball sails on first down, and so after that play, Kansas Wesleyan goes ahead and calls a timeout with about 2 minutes 59 seconds left. An opportunity, that was a missed opportunity for the Spires to go ahead and take over here. And so after the timeout, that would actually hurt them as Galbraith, she tries to find Ashlyn Tuss, who also has a step on her receiver. But this ball is thrown slightly behind here and Angel Roman is there to jump this route and intercept the ball. And not only does she intercept it, but she returns it all the way for a big time pick six and the lead with 2 minutes and 43 seconds left in this game. Just like that, Kansas Wesleyan has taken the lead off of bad offensive mistake here. And so Kansas Wesleyan, they elect to go for the 3-point conversion here. They want to make this a 6-point game. And so no other team has uh, attempted a 3-point conversion, at least that I know of, of this season. And so here we go. They run the play. But after the play, they call unnecessary roughness on the Spires. Uh, after the pass rusher just shoved one of the blockers, she was just being double teamed and whatnot, kind of for a long time. And so Kansas Wesleyan will get another chance at this three-point conversion, but they're moved up 10 yards. Eventually, though, it doesn't matter as the Shire Smith comes up big for the Spires, makes up for it, and applies the pressure, stopping the conversion, forcing an incompletion. But the damage is done though. Kansas Wesleyan, they now lead 24 to 21, just like that, without even getting on offense, uh, really, for this drive, as it was a pick six. And so the Spires, they have some time here to go ahead and win this game. It is not out of control just yet here. They have an opportunity to win it. And honestly, that's all you could hope for uh, when you're in these late game situations and you know you're trying to vie for a spot in the conference championship. And so here we go. Ellie Campbell goes ahead and gets them a first down for the Spires to settle this team down and get this drive started but unfortunately on first down uh I, I don't know if this is a miscommunication or what but Galbraith does take a shot downfield there is nobody there I think the timing was maybe just a little bit off and so that was first down and then unfortunately on second down for the Spires she tries to throw it to Caroline Simpson who is over the middle and is open but it's kind of a it's definitely a lot of traffic here and she unfortunately overthrows this one as Angel Roman intercepts it again um, just a lot of wind here by the way so you gotta keep that in mind but it's not the greatest decision, uh, you know, to be made in general as there were a lot of people around. She would have had to make a perfect pass to Caroline Simpson here and not thread this needle, but she would have had to let her on just a little bit here to complete it. And so this was a pretty difficult pass to make and Angel Roman goes ahead and makes her pay uh, just because she wasn't able to make a completely perfect pass here. And that would basically be the game here. Angel Roman coming up big for them as Kansas Wesleyan would advance to the conference championship after this and get another shot at Ottawa here. Kansas Wesleyan wins in a thrilling fashion, 24 to 20.
21, had an 18-point lead at one point, blew that lead, and then as the Spires were looking to go ahead and add on to their lead here and potentially seal the deal, they throw a pick six on the goal line, and that's how the game basically ends here. That wall, that, and then Angel Roman, she gets that interception on second down on that overthrow here. And so... Kansas Wesleyan winning in a thrilling fashion. Uh, some stats here. Angel Roman, four receptions, 51 re uh, receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, two interceptions, both in the fourth quarter. One of those is the, was that pick six. Brianna Hernandez-Silva won 11 of 22, 100 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 11 rushes for 44 rushing yards. Then on defense, she did lead the team with eight tackles and an interception. And then for the Spires, you had Jerrica Johnson, who just had a career day, just had a very good day. But unfortunately, it just did not work out here at the end. Uh, Jerrica Johnson, 10 receptions, 121 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns. As the Spires, you know, they had their chances to win like they have all season, you know. And unfortunately, they just came up a little bit short here. And so, here in the conference championship, we got a rematch. Ottawa versus Kansas Wesleyan. Going into this game, Ottawa has beat Kansas Wesleyan in every matchup so far. But, you know, these last couple matchups, they were a little bit close here. They had their opportunities in the first half, and they just could not convert on some of those opportunities. Could not get what they wanted on some of those opportunities. And so, uh, going into this game here, you know, um, they're facing off with Ottawa again. Kansas Wesleyan is. And, you know, this is probably a close game. I, I've been saying this. I felt like the talent is definitely there. It's definitely close here. But, you know... That's, that's why you have some of these close games, but at the end, Ottawa, I mean, they just come out with it. And so we're going to see here if Kansas Wesleyan could go ahead and change the script here. And so let's get this game started here. In the first quarter, Ottawa, they start on offense. And this the first drive is powered by Addy Orsburn here. All Orsburn here, the freshman getting it done. Um, starting this one out with three uh, receptions. The first one she snags, gets them a couple yards. The second one, um, she breaks off for about 10 plus yards and gets them across midfield into Kansas Wesleyan territory. Plus gives them the first down. And then her third reception, not only of the game, but of this drive, goes for 10 plus yards again and almost gets them into the red zone on first down. Doesn't matter though, as Claire Bodaway would go ahead and get it done on a catch for the first down that would get them in the red zone. Once in the red zone here, Madison Carrera, quarterback for this Ottawa team, also one of the front runners for MVP uh, or our MVP race here, takes off for a nine-yard scramble. Then she takes it in herself for a five-yard touchdown run. So just a very methodical drive here, powered by Addy Orsburn, but ended by Madison Carrera. As Carrera not only gets this touchdown, but she also gets the conversion, leaning her way into the end zone. Uh, <laughs> really just avoiding those defenders, making it a 7-0 lead uh, for the first down. Now, uh, Kansas Wesleyan, they take over on offense. They uh, get the first down uh, on a f off of a nice Brianna Hernandez Silva four yard scramble but unfortunately after a couple incompletions Kansas Wesleyan has to punt it thanks to honestly just good defense by Ottawa and so 
Kansas Wesleyan, they actually commit a holding penalty on first down, and so that actually gets Ottawa an automatic first down to start this drive. So we won't talk about that first play uh, of the drive. But the second play here, uh, or, well, I believe it's the second play here, Clara Bodaway, she makes a very good catch on the drag route, getting them a nice couple of yards. And then on a jet sweep, they give it to Bodaway again, who uh, makes it third and seven here, getting another couple of yards as well. But it would be Madison Carrera coming up big for Ottawa as she breaks off almost a 30-yard scramble right through the heart of this Kansas Wesleyan defense. She just brought it right up the middle, split a couple defenders, made some defenders miss. And just like that, she takes this Ottawa offense into Kansas Wesleyan territory and into the red zone for the first down right before the second quarter now here in the second quarter you know Ottawa they're looking to go up two scores here on Kansas Wesley and build on some of that momentum they had going into this quarter and so Madison Carrera actually takes two shots to Jasmine Camacho who's in one-on-one -on -one coverage it's not bad like coverage or anything like that it's one-on-one -on -one. it's good throws both times so you know the receiver definitely had a chance to come down with it but it's just great. This was just great coverage by Kansas Wesleyan both times here, and they uh, win that battle, win that one-on-one -on -one battle both times, and deflect the ball both times here. And so that would actually bring up a, a first down for Kansas Wesleyan because uh, one of those throws was on fourth down here. I believe Alexa Mansur getting a nice deflection in one-on-one -on, -one on fourth down, and so Kansas Wesleyan, you know, they just play very good defense here in the red zone preventing this one from becoming a two-score game. And so Kansas Wesleyan on the offense, they go ahead and they try to get something going, but honestly, a couple of self-inflicted penalties, such as a delay of game and a false start, which was on the center, ends up killing this drive and forcing a three and out. And so Kansas Wesleyan could not take advantage of that opportunity. Still, though, they stopped Ottawa from scoring, though, so you got to be kind of happy on that. Ottawa, they start the tr this drive with a low snap that is dropped on first down, which does kind of hurt them and pushes them back a couple of yards. Uh, nothing too crazy, though, as Madison Carrera would eventually complete an accurate pass to Bailey Hodgins on the nice corner route for about 20-ish yards on that reception that would get them into Kansas Wesleyan territory. So despite some miscues of their own, Ottawa does get the first down and into KWU territory eventually. After that, Carrera takes off for a scramble of about 15 or so yards, getting in the getting them into the red zone and giving them a first down here. And so once in the red zone, Carrera, she is blitzed by Kansas Wesleyan and she sidesteps the blitzers real smooth like and just runs it up the middle for her second rushing touchdown of the day. Just another great play by Madison Carrera using her legs and just making people miss for that second touchdown. Now, an illegal motion on Ottawa hurts their extra point chances as they do complete the first attempt but because it was a legal motion that one doesn't count and so on the second attempt you know obviously they're trying to get the conversion here Kansas Wesleyan would stop them this time but regardless though Ottawa leads by two scores 13 to 0 so Kansas Wesleyan they're back on offense but they just go three and out thanks to really good defense by Ottawa who just limits them to only short passes and so, you know, Kansas Wesleyan, they have to punt it. But this punt somehow, like it goes up 
and then it falls down, it bounces backwards a couple yards, and so this is actually a punt of negative yards here, just a very unfortunate punt here for Kansas Wesleyan, and so Ottawa actually takes over on offense in the red zone, not outside of it or anything like that, not in, just in Kansas Wesleyan territory, but they're in the red zone within the 20 yards um, of that touchdown. And so they have a short field to work with here. And so Ottawa, they decide to take a couple shots into the red zone in a 1v1. And so once again, you know, it's one-on-one -on -one coverage. It's not double or triple. They isolate these receivers to make big plays against whoever's defending them. But Kansas Wesleyan, once again on defense, comes up big and gets the three and out here. And so just another very good job by this Kansas Wesleyan defense holding this Ottawa offense in the red zone. Personal fouls after this are thrown out, though, both on Ottawa and Kansas Wesleyan, as this one is becoming a little chippy, you know. Um, this is a matchup that has been known to be a little chippy in the past. Now, it's obvious they probably don't like each other a lot, and there's probably good reason there as well, I'm sure, for both teams. But regardless, though, these penalties offset, so at the end, they don't really matter. And so you have a minute and 50 seconds left in this game, and Kansas Wesleyan has a chance to go ahead and dig into this lead a a little bit here so that they're not down two scores going into halftime and so to start it they pitch it to Kendra Velasquez Monroe who begins this drive with a first down after that uh, Silva finds Wiley on a nice throw near the sideline who gets some 10 plus yards on the reception this would make it fourth and three with about 39 seconds left they're at midfield here and Kansas Wesleyan like I said they want to go for it they want to go for it they want to make this a one score game here and so that's what they do here but Silva is sacked by a pair of defenders on fourth down. And so Ottawa actually takes over with 34 seconds left in this half uh, in Kansas Wesleyan territory. Not super deep into it, but just barely, you know, in it. And on first down, you know, they take a shot. It's incomplete, but it's on second down where Madison Carrera threads the needle to Jaslyn Camacho, who just makes a nice sideline catch and walks into the end zone untouched for a 30-plus yard touchdown. Uh, honestly, there was a Kansas Wesleyan defender there. I didn't see who it was, but they just kind of took a bad angle on this pass, honestly. Had a chance to knock it down, but because of the angle... Camacho was able to catch this one and kind of just walk in without without being challenged by the defense and so just a little just a tough play honestly in one-on-one -on -one for Kansas Wesleyan here after that Carrera then finds Jason Camacho on the conversion making it 20 to 0 going into halftime this game looks to be just about over but if Kansas Wesleyan could score here early on then you know there's definitely some life and Kansas Wesleyan actually gets the ball to start this third quarter and so here's what happens. Silva then finds Roman who gets him the first down on a nice 10 plus yard reception to start the half. After a nice reception they call uh, Roman for flag guarding. So this was on the next play. They called a hitch route to Roman. She gets a nice couple yards, but they call that play back because of flag guarding. And so there's a penalty there. A couple plays later, Alyssa Gillespie. Uh, yeah, I think I said that right. Alyssa Gillespie here for Ottawa applies the pressure and forces a throwaway. And so it's fourth and 28 at this point. And so Kansas Wesleyan, they have to punt it. 
This punt basically stops at midfield, and so that's where Ottawa starts, basically. And so here we go. Carrera goes ahead and scrambles for six yards, getting the first down and crossing officially into Kansas Wesleyan territory. Then she scrambles again for five-plus yards. After that, Carrera takes a shot to Bailey Hodgins, who wins this one-on-one -on -one matchup, another one-on-one -on -one matchup uh, here. And Hodgins, she just beats out her DB just by a step. Gets the touchdown here, gets a snag, and scorches this defense for about a 20-plus yard reception and touchdown in the end zone here. Right after that on the conversion, Alyssa Linkus gets the ball on a jet sweep, spins, and then dances her way into the end zone on, honestly, just really bad flag pulling by this Kansas Wesleyan defense, which is coming just a little undone here as Ottawa leads 27-0 and at this point, this game is basically over with about 8 minutes left in the third. Kansas Wesleyan on offense, they just struggle to score here and convert here. Um, they would score their lone touchdown of the game with about 5 minutes left here on a long drive ending with Silva finding Roman, but ultimately Ottawa wins this and becomes the conference champions to defeating Kansas Wesleyan in a dominant fashion, 34-7. Ottawa, Madison's, uh, Ottawa's Madison Carrera had just a very good tournament here in game. She went 15 of 24, 177 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. She also ran seven times for 75 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. And then Brianna Beto uh, led this Ottawa defense with six tackles. Kansas Wesley and Brianna Hernandez-Silva didn't even have that bad of a game. Won 22 of 34, 153 passing yards, one passing touchdowns. Um, on eight attempts, ran for eight yards. Angel Roman had a school record type of day here, at least in receptions here. She had 11 receptions for 72 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Lexi Marquez, uh, an all-conference player, by the way, had six tackles leading this Kansas Wesleyan team. Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, they only had one turnover, um, like, you know, an interception this game here. But on nine offensive drives, and I'm not including one of these drives, so technically it's ten, but one of those drives was, like, right at the end uh, of halftime, and so they had, like, ten seconds left. That was, they weren't going to do anything with that. But on the nine offensive drives Kansas Wesleyan had, only one of those drives went for more than five plays, which is absolutely insane here. The rest of them were below five plays. And so, as you can see, a lot of three and outs here. Uh, you had one, that one turnover as well. And so, you know, Kansas Wesleyan on offense, they played a relatively clean game. You know, didn't have any turnovers, but also didn't make enough plays here to go ahead and beat Ottawa. Uh, despite their defense actually playing really well, especially in that second quarter, stopping Ottawa in the red zone two times there. Uh, and then, even when Ottawa did score, both of those times were in one-on-one. -on -one. It was just the DB just getting caught off guard, or it was just a better play by Ottawa, honestly. The ball just being a perfect uh, ball and all that, being perfect throws and whatnot. So, it is what it is, Ottawa. They are your conference champions. Feeling good, you know. You gotta, you gotta feel good about Ottawa here going into the national tournament um, and all that great stuff. You know, they, they did lose to those Florida teams, but what matters is that they're taking this one step at a time. They won the conference. Now they're going to nationals with the rest of these KCAC teams. Now, before I hop into the rest of my reactions, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stop it here and save those for when I talk with Cody about, you know, this tournament and about this KCAC regular season, and then we'll preview the uh, postseason here for the Sun Conference. Coming up next.
All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Look, I know I did say we're going to jump into uh, all the content with Cody Stauffer here, my co-host. But real quick, you know, I just realized we did not announce Playmaker of the Week whenever we recorded the rest of that episode. So I'm going to do it right now here. So obviously, there are a couple players that are in consideration for this thing. You know, there are a lot of good football players. Um, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and... Uh, give it to an Ottawa player because obviously Ottawa they won their conference this last week uh, playing in that KCAC Invitational and so I'm gonna give it to Madison Carrera you know she killed it um, through very very tough weather this game you know uh, in that final game against Kansas Wesley and she went 15 of 24 for 177 passing yards three passing touchdowns no turnovers also rushed seven times for 75 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Obviously, you know, if Kansas Wesley had won it, you know, it would have went to Angel Roman. She had those two key interceptions against uh, St. Mary. You know, you also have a Jaslyn Camacho who killed it as well. She had a hat trick against Midland. You know, you have um, one of the Midland quarterbacks. You know, they did a good job. Sade Irvin was in consideration, but I think it's... I think it obviously has to go to an Ottawa player here. And, you know, I think uh, Madison Carrera, she really stepped it up and played just a very good game, you know, in very windy conditions. She settled down this offense, got them down the field and scored. And that's why they are conference champions. So, uh, so yeah, you know, there you go. But without further ado, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring in Cody here and we're going to do the rest of this episode. So, yeah. All right, let's hop into it. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast here. But I'm here with my uh, co-host, Cody Stauffer. Yes, sir. We are going to go ahead and react to the KCAC tournament reaction, KCAC Invitational here. So if, if you, I guess if you're just tuning in for the reactions, then you did not hear my entire recap. And if you haven't done that, go ahead and just go back a couple minutes and listen to that. Uh, there's a lot of great games that went down, and so uh, we're going to go ahead and just go down the line, talk about each of these games here, react to them. I held a lot of me, a lot of my reactions for uh, this, so we'll, we'll just do that. So, uh, so yeah, but let's go ahead and get this thing started, talk about, I guess, the wild card game, if there was any. And so that was Cotty versus Midland. The winner of this played Ottawa, uh, who basically had a bye here. And so, look, third week. Or wait, third time in two weeks that this team has played each other. Midland uh, has blown them out each time. Midland did not give any, or uh, I guess Cotty did not give out any surprises here as Midland did beat them 45-6 to six here. Angel Iwani finished 10-14 for 83 yards, three touchdowns. I think, I want to say three of those touchdowns came in that first half as well. Haley Stanton did finish this game at quarterback. Playing off the fourth quarter, went 8 of 11 for 75 yards, two scores here. Also had six rushes for 36 yards. Altogether, a very clean game offensively for Midland, which, I mean, whether they win or lose, you know, we've been pretty critical about how clean of an offensive game they played, especially from the quarterback position, you know, because they have talent over there. It's just been a matter of putting it together. Cody, what did you think about this dub here for Midland? So go ahead and beat Cotty here. Obviously, Midland was favorite, though, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Midland was favored, and 
I'm not really surprised by how this game turned out necessarily. Um, and it was good to see both quarterbacks find success in this game. Cause I know that both these quarterbacks have had struggle kind of establishing a rhythm throughout the season. And, you know, they, I think that they really needed this kind of offensive performance to fare as well as they did heading into, you know, their next game against the top dog. Um, but not nothing too out of the ordinary here. I mean, Nunez making plays as she does. Um, well, we, we know Haley Stanton's game. So, you know, having uh, a couple of rushes here, uh, her passing performance is very, very efficient, more efficient than the previous week where she got the start. Um, because she had, I know that she had some trouble getting that completion percentage up that previous week, but uh, very efficient passing performances out of both QBs here. Um, Got to be pretty excited heading into that next round. Yep, absolutely. Uh, just very, very big confidence booster type of performances here for both. You know, a good tune-up game, I would say. No disrespect to Cotty, but also Cotty, I think, is probably a year away from really, really competing. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. This recruiting class they have uh, is is special. You know, the second recruiting class that they're bringing in is special. I guess it's their third. And so I would be more on the lookout for Cotty next year, but this is still a good learning experience for all their players over there. You know, um, I mean, we know what they could do. They know what they could do, and we've given them their respect. But right here, right now, I mean, it's, it's game time, right? It's the postseason, so it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, Cody, did you have anything you wanted to say about Cotty before we move on here? I do think that they're probably a year out here. But, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. They did have some uh, selections that were all KCAC and, you know, a starting point for for them. So, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, then. Well, let's move on here. And so after Midland beat Cotty, they turned around and they played Ottawa here. Uh, I did say this in the recap. The wind was definitely picking up quite a bit here. And it will not go away for the rest of this day, which is basically the rest of this tournament here. And so it definitely had a little bit to do with how this uh, game turned out here. Um, basically, Ottawa still won, though, 34-6, to you know. But I, I feel like the score doesn't really do this thing justice here. Cody, do you want to actually react to this? Talk about how, um, I mean, I guess how well Midland played and how it ended up being 34 to 6 and your reaction to that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the first thing that I want to say is out of the 40 points that were scored during this game, only six of them were scored against the wind by either team, and that was Ottawa. So both teams struggled a lot with the wind. Um, I'd say especially in the second quarter, this Midland defense capitalized to, you know, having the wind at their backs, maybe a little bit more than the offense maybe did because, you know, they they had this one interception where, you know, it was kind of like tipped up in the air. And I think that this pass was heavily influenced by the wind because it just looked like it didn't really have enough juice to get to Madison Carrera's target. And Midland just made a heads-up play, uh, popping it up and getting an interception. 
So, you know, that was big time and opportunistic by this defense. And then the red zone interception, I want to say it was, um, I want to say it was Austin. Um, but anyways, you know, the, when Ottawa was in the red zone, I was like, oh no, like they're about to go up by two scores heading into the half. This is a really bad setup. And, you know, it was just a tough situation that I think Midland put themselves in. But, you know, Madison Carrera, she got a little greedy. And, uh, you know, uh, Midland here just makes an excellent, excellent play. I, like, I wouldn't even say it's a bad read because I don't think Madison saw the defender there who just made an incredible play on the ball. And, you know, forcing that turnover in the red zone. That gave me a lot of hope here for Midland heading into the rest of this game. Just thinking, hey, you know, they had their backs against the wall. They made some good plays. They were getting into a rhythm on offense. And, you know, with the wind at their backs, the Midland offense was, they were clicking here in the first half, completing a lot of passes here and just kind of dinking and dunking and picking up, you know, five or six yards at a time uh, until they needed a first down and just gradually kind of wearing down this Ottawa defense. And, you know, I will say that they definitely had a missed opportunity to end the half there that could have changed this game a lot, honestly. I, I know that I'm, I want to say that they might go down as drops, but both of these passes in the red zone to end the half were incredibly tough on, you know, Midland's behalf. And Ottawa, the Ottawa defense made an incredible play on that fourth down attempt for for the end zone. Um, but, I mean, once the wind wasn't at their backs anymore, you know, to open up the second half, I mean, Ottawa struggled going into the wind. And then, you know, it was just more missed opportunities by Midland to really... This game was a lot closer than 34 to 6 is what I'm trying to say in short, but, you know, they have to take advantage of these opportunities that are given to them when the wind is at their backs. I think that they easily left two touchdowns on the field with the wind at their backs. Obviously, the fourth down and goal, you have that, and then you have the, in the second half, you have the deep shot that Ion takes. And it just sails past the receiver. But then on the very next play, she hits this pass and the receiver drops it. And it was heartbreaking to watch. And I feel for that athlete. But honestly, like, part of it's where does the blame come from? You should catch every pass, right, as a wide receiver, as a wide receiver coach. I live heavily by that philosophy. But when you're playing the quarterback carousel game throughout the season, Maybe the receiver isn't expecting the pass at that time because the chemistry just isn't there or something along those lines. I feel like that play is a little bit deeper than the face value of the drop. Uh, Simon, obviously, you know I'm the last person to excuse drops, but what do you kind of think of these missed opportunities by Midland? And, I mean, how different of a game is this if Midland capitalizes with these two, I think, very easy touchdown situations? Well, it's not easy touchdown situations because it's Ottawa, but it's situations well, and opportunities that they had. One's in their hands, at least. Yeah, yeah. 
No, that's fair. So that fourth down um, low deflection or breakup here was made by Jennifer Anthony. And she's arguably the, one of the best DBs in the entire KCAC. So in general, I know you wanted to get it to Michaela Nunez and all that. I mean, she's probably one of your top receivers uh, throughout Shine Duran and some other receivers as well. But I, I, I don't know if just matchup-wise if that, if that was the best look there. You know, the ball still got there. She should have made the catch and all that great stuff. But Jennifer Anthony, she's a great player for a reason, too. You know, I I don't think she leads the KCAC in interceptions, but she has definitely been pretty consistent these last couple of years. So that's pretty tough. Not to make any excuses for Midland. If you're Nunez, catch the ball. If you're the quarterback, I don't know, maybe wait a half second or lead your receiver on just a little. I, I don't know, you know, but, but – Regardless, though, I mean, you could go around talking about the receiver should have caught it. Quarterback could have made better decisions. Just in general, you know, um, Angel Yuani at quarterback, she got the full start, didn't play bad. 22 of 43, that's just over 50%, closer to 50% than 60%. I'm not going to say if she threw, you know, completed 60% of her passes, this game would be that much more different. But, you know, you got to take the opportunities that are presented to you and make the most out of it. You know, I think it, it kind of felt just a little bit at this point that, you know, the, the moment seemed just a little, and I, this isn't disrespect, but it just felt like the moment was just a little bit too big here as the game went on. And, you know, as it felt like Midland could potentially win this game as well, just because they haven't been really in any of these situations throughout the season. They haven't won a close game this season. You know, all their wins have came over Cotton which is literally no lie. Like, all their wins have came over Cotton. Because um, they also got beat by Florida Memorial, and that was another close game that they kind of blew there. And then you have games against... Uh, or wait, no, they, they beat St. Mary, right? At least once? Yeah. But I don't know if that was super... I mean, that... Okay, so that was the only other close game, I guess. You know, because that was a little bit of a shootout. But they... I don't really feel like they were behind in that game and then they came back to win and so this is in my opinion just kind of a situation where they just haven't i mean they just haven't been in you know maybe some of these players have been in this situation back in high school but it's different between high school and college you know that's there's definitely a talent gap there you know there's obviously things that are a little bit more fluky that might happen in high school and in college i mean you have to be on top of your game and playing the best you can to compete, you know, with some of these uh, teams, especially a contender like Ottawa, who still is the defending national champions. They're defending their title, you know, so it's not like they're like, oh, like they're like a Thomas, you know, who's a first year program, but they're obviously a contender or a Kaiser who's kind of been close to winning it but haven't quite won it. Like, no, they're playing the national champs. And so when you play the national champs, Every opportunity matters. You have to play a perfect game. You know, maybe you have a couple mistakes here and there, but you leave that up to the wind and the weather and just say, hey, you know, it's just bad luck. But other than that, you have to play a perfect game here. You can't have drops. If the ball hits your hands, you need to catch. You know, I absolutely agree there, especially this far into the season. There really is no excuse for that. And so it's just missed opportunities. But like I said, they really haven't been in a situation where they're been, they've been coming back from behind. You know, not many teams have. Um, well, in the KCAC, not many teams have. In the Sun Conference, we've seen a couple, but that's that's kind of a different story there. 
So it is what it is. But this was definitely a close one. I mean, it was 20 to 6 going into the fourth, right? Yeah, and then Ottawa had the wind at their backs and yep, well, it's a wrap. And yeah, you you have to take advantage when the wind is at your back in these tournaments. And yeah, I mean, you also have to find a way to move the ball when you're going into the wind as well. And that's what separates, you know, uh, the team that, you know, eventually does wrap all this up versus the teams that just weren't quite there is the adaptation to the wind, especially. Um, but I mean, the Midland defense, I think that they basically did everything that they could during this game. And, uh, you know, the offense left left some things to be desired. Also, that, um, that Midland touchdown reminded me of like a... a, a it's the same concept as a Tebow jump pass, but without an offensive line in front of you, so you can shovel it. Um, so that gave you a little bit of a, a Tebow play call flashback there um, with that sprint shovel in the end zone. That was a great catch by their center, by the way. She really had to dig yes. for that one. And, you know, like Midland has athletes on this squad. You know, this game gives me something... I feel to kind of look forward to heading into nationals for this Midland squad. I mean, you'd rather have competed and won in the KCAC Invitational, obviously. But, you know, when you're able to move the ball pretty pretty well against one of the top defenses in the country, your quarterback is making a lot of good decisions, I feel, throughout this game. And your defense is stepping up to the plate against a very, very, very talented uh, KCAC squad, then, you know, there's a lot to be happy about here. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, there there was just a little bit that they just have to finish these big plays. And hopefully having been here now in this kind of competitive situation in this tournament, maybe they'll be able to take that experience and convert next time around come nationals yeah but uh i mean even then though it's still a good i i would say it's still a good thing to you know learn from in general moving forward even into next year i mean this wasn't a bad showing from uh their starting quarterback angel Yuwani. but we'll we'll just keep that in mind moving into next year like next year i mean i'm just gonna throw this out there as well up in Nebraska, I, I feel like almost every Midland game I watched, it was super windy. Like, almost every home Midland game I watched, it was super windy. Like, it was real tough to throw in. And that's kind of just the situations that they are used to working in. And so, next year, I'm just going to be honest, there really shouldn't be any excuse for them to, you know, not be able to move the ball on offense because of the wind if anything they should be practicing in it in it and uh maybe you know definitely uh be starting the quarterback with a arm that can cut through the wind as tough as it may be and ask you know so uh, i'm just gonna throw all that out there you know just a couple of things to take away from this game here i mean uh win for midland shouldn't be a problem specifically for them i would say so i'm oh. just gonna say that also Go ahead. I, I want to bring this up. Uh, I took a screenshot of, of the halftime stats of the games because uh, I found them interesting. Look, 
Midland at halftime had outgained Ottawa by about 50 yards, mostly through the pass game. Like they had 173 to Ottawa's 126. They had three more first downs than Ottawa, and the time of possession was 1808 to 546 in favor of Midland. They were also winning the turnover battle. How often do you see a team outgain the other one, have more first downs, less turnovers, and three times as much possession, and have a touchdown less? That's insane, right? Yeah, no, it's absolutely insane. It just means that, you know, they missed on opportunities. And, I mean, those matter. A lot of opportunities, to be honest with you. You got to convert. Yeah, I mean... Because all of this makes me think... If if I didn't see the score, you know, and somebody just read these numbers out to me, I would assume that the first team is winning by, like, two or three scores. Right. If, yeah. if if I had heard that Ottawa had this kind of like advantage over someone, I'd think that they'd be up by like five scores. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you have to capitalize. Have to, have to, have to. Yeah, no, for sure. So they'll learn. I mean, that's kind of been the story throughout this entire season for Midland. Uh, defensively, they've looked real good at times, you know, have shown flashes. I think uh, if you want to talk about a complete defensive game, I mean, they played a good solid three quarters of really good defense i would say for the most part but you know offensively you gotta help them out you know uh there's only so much the defense can do especially in a game like flag football which is i I would say even more so you know centered around the offense than the defense um because you have to have a good offense and whatnot in flag. I mean, in any sport you do, but I think in flag football, it's definitely more offensive heavy. And so, yeah, there you go. But Ottawa, they move on though to the conference championship to defend their conference title. Who's your, hmm? my bad, who's your player of the game in this game? My player of the game, probably Madison Carrera. Um, I mean, Jasmine Camacho's up there. She obviously caught all three uh, touchdowns as well. But Madison Carrera, 17 of 22 is not bad in the wind. You know, that's pretty – she only missed five passes, so that's pretty good here. Did those two interceptions, you know, it is what it is. She still threw five touchdowns. You can subtract those two picks from the touchdowns, and she still threw three touchdowns. Also, you know, ran for 85 yards as well. That Thompson interception was just a great play on – on Midland's part, really. So I don't even yeah. like Pereira too much for that one. That was just a very athletic play. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, and if, I mean, I would say offensive player of the game would probably go to Carrera. Defensive player of the game, either Jennifer Anthony or Abby Brown here. Uh, but Jennifer Anthony, she had seven tackles and four pass deflections throughout this game. So that's Including that, that. She had that one in the end zone too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so... so. That was yeah. huge. That well, was what about you, though? Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree with that take. I was going to say Jennifer Anthony for, like, my defensive player of the game, but offensive player of the game. I was thinking Camacho, but the dimes that Carrera dropped for those Camacho touchdowns, got to give it to the QB on this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Carrera definitely dialed it up uh, here. So, you know, obviously they don't win this game if she's not playing well. You know, I think this game is a lot closer if she's not playing well or, you know, the level 
um, or caliber of quarterback that she really is. So, you know, there you go. But uh, like I said, Ottawa wins this one. Midland, you know, definitely things to work on, you know, things to be happy about here. Uh, Should they be satisfied with losing? No, but (laughs) they should be satisfied with uh, some of the things they did here because it's not like they just played horrible and just got like whoop 34 to six and the six points was like a pity touchdown. You know, um, as, as it has been before, you know, in this regular season, I'm just going to be honest with you. So this this was a pretty competitive game here. And I mean, Midland, they were a couple plays away from uh, at least taking a lead. And then once you have a lead here, you really never know, you know. So, yeah. But Cody, is there anything else you want to say about this game before we hop into the next uh, semifinal game here? Nope. I think right. that uh, I think it's time to talk uh, Spires versus Coyotes here. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read off the score here. Listen to the recap. I'm going to say this one more time so you can pause this recording, um, pause this podcast, whatever, and then go listen to the recap of this game because it was pretty wild here because Kansas Wesleyan won 24-21. That score is doesn't sound super crazy, but there are a lot of lead changes in here. So... I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. Kansas Wesleyan, they're leading 18-0 to zero at one point. And then the Spires, St. Mary, they, the University of St. Mary, sorry, they went ahead and came back from being down 18 points to leading in this game here. I believe they're leading 21-18, uh, to 18, right, here in the fourth quarter after that Jerrica Johnson uh, conversion and that Ashland Tuss touchdown. And so... They were leading 21 to 18. You know, the Spires, they seemingly made the comeback here. You know, and then they stopped Kansas Wesleyan and they had the ball back and had an opportunity to not only score, but basically put this game away and punch their ticket to the conference championship here. And oh my God, it just, it changed so quickly. Oh my God, it just changed so quickly here. And so, well, now that I'm kind of already talking about, you know, this game, I'm just going to go ahead and say what happened here. I mean, they basically drive all the way down, use up as much time as they possibly could have on this drive. And then on the goal line, they throw a pick six. And it's one thing to throw an interception because then, you know, Kansas Wesleyan, they have to go the length of the field and score. And obviously the win has been an issue all day, right? But it's another thing to not only throw a pick, but it's returned for a touchdown. And it was Angel Roman who got that pick six. And obviously, she's an excellent player and all that. But, I mean, this ball, it wasn't even a bad decision here. I think it was just a bad throw. Like, if she threw it in front of uh, her receiver, she had a step on Angel Roman. She would have probably had a good chance to at least extend out and make a play on it. But it was behind the receiver. Angel Roman was there. And she housed that one. So, there you go. And then even then, you know, the Spires still had a chance to win this game here. You know, the by the way, Kansas Wesleyan tried to go for a three-point conversion. And even after a penalty, it didn't work out. So there you go. So the Spires still had a chance to score a touchdown and win this game late here. But once again, another Angel Roman interception. Uh, this time, it was definitely a bad decision. I probably wouldn't have called this play here or thrown it over the middle because it was a pretty tight tight window here she tried to throw it over the middle 
there were definitely a couple defenders here. Like she was trying to thread it through a couple of zones. Uh, at least it looked like it was a couple of zones. And the ball just was not accurate at all. I feel like the wind probably, you know, had some, uh, some say in it. And it was intercepted by Angel Roman. And that was the end of the game. And, you know, Kansas Wesleyan went from blowing an 18-point lead to winning because of Angel Roman at the end. And that's how they went to the conference championship, which is, I don't know. I'm pretty shocked. I'm not going to lie. Cody, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it to you. What, what was your reaction to this game as a whole? Because this was a good one. I mean, it was a wild game for sure. I mean, once, you know, Kansas Wesleyan jumped out to this 18-point lead, I was like, uh, I was a little skeptical on where the game was going to go because I think it easily could have gotten out of hand. And I mean, heading into halftime, I'm just going to read this out again. I mean, St. Mary, they obviously score before the half ends, which I think is necessary for this comeback to be possible. But, um, you know, heading into half, they had outgained Kansas Wesleyan. However, uh, you know, they did have a turnover there in that first half. And turnovers ended up being the name of the game for this Kansas Wesleyan team to sneak out this dub. I mean... Three interceptions this game. It's really hard to win a football game when you throw three interceptions. And, you know, I mean, Galbraith was playing her butt off this game. Uh, because, I mean, they're not in it without her three passing touchdowns either. You know what I'm saying? But at some point, you know, if you're if you're St. Mary's, you have to get a flagpole on that pick six. Or you, you got to do something here to kind of meet your quarterback halfway. But I mean, uh, Galbraith, she showed a lot of patience and poise throughout this game that was super up and down for her. But then I think you can tell that it finally got to her on this final drive where she just looked uncharacteristically, you know, for this game at least, rattled. Um, and, you know... She just didn't look as comfortable as she looked the rest of the game. I mean, throughout the game, especially during the comeback parts of the game, you know, they were creating a good pocket for her and she was maneuvering it very well. And she was just dialed in and completed a lot of passes, got into a really good rhythm to help drive them back into this game. And, you know, they had some other athletes step up. I mean, Smith had... Uh, an incredible game, uh, a Shia Smith, I want to say, you know, out of the backfield and had some good rushes on some pitches and options and whatnot from, you know, Galbraith. But I mean, Jerrica Johnson was on one this game. Like she was blowing my, every catch she was making was basically a highlight real catch. And without Jerrica Johnson carrying this receiving core, I mean, 10 receptions for 120 yards and two scores, not to mention that one-handed sweet extra point attempt that, uh, or extra point conversion, I should say. Jerrica Johnson just had like magnets for hands this game and, you know, helped use these hands to kind of claw back into this Kansas Wesleyan lead and eventually take it over. But, you know, not to be outdone, Angel Roman is, you know, a a KCAC, you know, first team player for a reason. And 
and, and on offense and defense. And she showed that this game and went into takeover mode to to clutch this. And I mean, you got to be kicking yourselves in the butt a little bit here, St. Mary. I like the grit that was showed by them, but I feel like this close but no cigar kind of saying and phrase has summarized the St. Mary season up until this point. You know, you watch their games throughout the season and they have a lot of home run passes that just don't quite land. You know, they're just like two steps ahead of them. They, you know, reach out for first downs and they're just a little shy. And in this game, they're just short here, you know, with, I mean, in the red zone with a chance to, you know, put the nail in the coffin, honestly, they just don't quite step on Kansas Wesleyan's neck here. And, you know, Angel Roman, kudos to her, obviously, for making an incredible play, but on the St. Mary end, definitely a heartbreaker. Yeah, they're going to remember this one. Um, they're going to remember this one for sure because they played a real good game. I mean, look, that, okay. In the second half, they played a real good game. In the first half, there were a lot of, just a lot of opportunities that were just missed. I mean, you know, I feel like they were just struggling to move the ball at all on offense here. And it was just kind of a tough go. I mean, they did have a couple conversions or, well, they had a fourth down play here. I'm looking at here in the first quarter where, you know, it's fourth down here and Brianna Hernandez Silver comes up with a big tackle for loss on a shot at Smith. That's just a one-on-one -on -one battle and Smith didn't win that one. You know, and they needed one yard. So that's kind of just tough there. And so, you know, there, there are just opportunities that you could point out throughout this whole thing. Um, those mistakes at the end, I mean, one, one, okay, if you're new to flag football uh, and all that stuff, one could be like, why are you passing it on the goal line? You should run it. Look, passing it in flag football is at least 70 to 80% of most offenses, you know, especially when you get into the red zone, it's basically 90% unless you have like, you know, like an ultra athletic quarterback, like a Madison Carrera or even a Brianna Hernandez Silva. And really then you kind of still have to draw up a pass play and then, you know, run it in. And if you remember, let's go ahead and rewind here a couple weeks ago, uh, there was a time where, well, not a time, but there was a game where, you know, Kansas Wesleyan and St. Mary, they were playing each other. St. Mary, they had like a 20-point lead or something like that. Kansas Wesleyan came back, scored 21 straight in the second half, and St. Mary still had a chance to win this one in the fourth quarter, and they were at the goal line, and they decided to run it there. It definitely looked like a quarterback like a design quarterback run, which at the time I was pretty critical of because it just wasn't even a well-designed quarterback run, if I might be honest there, you know. And so going into this game, I mean, look, they're at the goal line. They're going with what's been working with them, and that's their passing game here. And so I don't blame them for passing it, but sometimes it does come down to a play, you know. Um, it, you got to be – I mean, look, if you're throwing into the wind and all that – you know, you just got to gut it. And if you overthrow it, it is what it is. But don't underthrow it because if you underthrow it, 90% of the time it's probably a turnover, you know. And so – and plus and that's partially because, you know, uh, the Spires, they have really good receivers, pass catchers as well. And it's it's just a tough game. I mean, the, the tough part about this was that Shannon Cooley, she did come back 
for this game as well after being at all season she'll probably she'll be available for the national tournament as well but you know she came back you could tell there was kind of a surge of energy there uh you know because she was starting on defense at linebacker and she made some pretty big plays for them especially here in the second half and so um i the thing that just kind of sucks about this is that you know this spires team there's a lot of seniors on this team uh their starting quarterback senior she won't be back next year Jerrica Johnson, senior, had 10 receptions, over 100 yards, a couple of touchdowns. She won't be back next year. Um, your top receiver, uh, Shannon Cooley, you had experience playing without her this season. But it was still good to have her in this game. And also defensively as well, she gives you a little bit more juice and depth. She won't be back next year. You know, I mean, just looking at this roster, they are losing kind of a bit of seniors. You know, you have a couple freshmen here, obviously. Like Caroline Simpson, you know, she's an all-conference player, first-team player. You have Ashlyn Tuss, who has made some big plays here. Ashia Smith is out there as well. Um, Ellie Campbell, you know, but other than that, you do have kind of a heavy senior class. So I, it's, it's hard to say, you know, they'll learn from this and get better as some of these players, you know, they have maybe a handful of games left in their collegiate career. And you know you you gotta be better or it's over you know in those games and then you have some of these younger players here i mean they're gonna hopefully you know carry on this culture for the spires here and i'm sure they will I, i'm not gonna say hopefully i'm sure they will but you know it's just kind of kind of a tough uh tough loss to take on the chin here to end uh, this conference play you know so but Regardless, someone's going to have to learn from me. <laughs> I mean, the Spires, I feel like you said, Cody, they've been close but no cigar in so many situations this season. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, they've just been on the wrong end of pretty much all of them. So, yeah, yeah that's it, it is tough. And um, I mean, once once that pick six happened, I, I and after seeing like the first play of St. Mary's Drive, I was not sure about about St. Mary's chances of driving, not only because they had quite a ways to drive, but I mean, Galbraith just, it, she looked super rattled following that play. And so, you know, the, these are lessons that you can take with you um, into next year. Just like, what can we do to just maybe... and. And I'm not saying that uh, Galbraith here isn't mentally tough, but in this situation, she was definitely shook, you know? So it's like, how can I forget about this last mistake that, you know, that you can, it, there's two things that you could be thinking here, right? Where it's like, oh no, that pick just cost us the game. Or, or you could be thinking, sweet, I still have two minutes with the football. You know what I mean? It's subtle things like that that I think are make a huge difference in games like this, where, I mean, they still, you know, on paper have a chance to win this game, but the momentum swing, ah, it, it's, it's just a really tough situation here, but I do, I do want to give, you know, props where it's due. Jerrica, I mean, if St. Mary's wins this game, I'm probably picking uh, Jerrica Johnson as my player of the game, she played phenomenally, uh, phenomenal ugh, on uh, both sides of the ball here, especially on the offensive end, catching half of Galbraith's completions, mind you. 
So, you know, pretty solid game there. But with the game ending the way that it did, I don't know how you couldn't give it to Angel Roman for player of the game here. Yeah, no, for sure. Angel Roman had four receptions, 51 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Then on defense, had those two interceptions in the fourth quarter, including that pick six. So she obviously wins player of the game here. I do want to shout out Brianna Hernandez-Silva. 111 of 22, 100 of passing yards, three passing touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, ran 11 times for 44 yards. Also on defense, led with eight tackles and had an interception of her own as well. Um, look, it's easy to probably throw turnovers and interceptions in, uh, in the conditions that this game was played in. I think Silva, for the most part, I mean, she had a she had a pretty clean game, you know, no turnovers, really not too many bad decisions, because I feel like, honestly, if um, Kansas Wesleyan committed even one turnover from the quarterback position or on offense, then, you know, the Spires would have won, probably, because that means they would have had better positioning, uh, clock would have been different, you know, like all that great stuff, right? And so uh, for Silva to play as clean of a game as she could and really just, like, hang in there, as the leader of this team, even when they hit that rough spot here in this fourth quarter, that is that is pretty big for them. Um, also defensively as well, she had a couple of stops, uh, including, like I said, that fourth down stop earlier in this game, and then also grabbed an interception. And so she contributed quite a bit on defense as well to uh, you know build that 18-point lead. So so yeah, obviously also throwing those three touchdowns to build that 18-point lead. So. Um, so yeah, but Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, hey, they're tough, man. They they they've uh, they've definitely you know overcame some challenges these last couple of weeks here, especially whenever they play the Spires. This is an interesting matchup to look forward to next year because you know these games uh, between these Coyotes and uh, Spires have been real real entertaining. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, most of the time, it's one of these teams blowing a lead, but still though it's it's pretty dope so um the games the games are competitive but uh in order for it to become a rivalry both teams have to win so that's that's my my challenge for the spires here well the spires need to win yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so there you go but But, uh do you want to go ahead and move on to the conference championship here yes absolutely i would and so here in the conference championship you have the winners of the semifinals. That is how tournaments work in Kansas Wesleyan and Ottawa. And gosh, Ottawa was not playing around. I mean, this opening drive that they have, it it just let me know what level Ottawa is on, right? Because they eat up five minutes. Carrera looks way more poised and adjusted for the wind in this game. Like seriously, between the Midland game and this game, I want to say there's like, there's a visually substantial change in the style of play of this Ottawa offense in the play calling and in Carrera's poise. Like, you know, she's adjusted to the conditions of that day. And now Kansas Wesleyan, whether they know it or not, this early is in trouble. And, you know, Carrera's athleticism and decision making on when to run the ball, it cannot be understated that it is it is elite. Okay, and we'll we'll talk more about her overall performance of this tournament following this game. But I mean, she was just 
dicing up this Kansas Wesleyan defense. And, you know, they were just picking up the the yards that they needed to here and there. Not to mention that, you know, I want to say it was Addison Osborne here opens up with a really good drive here. And her importance cannot be understated because even with the couple of passes that she catches here and, you know, her athleticism to pick up extra yards past where she were, well, to force missed tackles and flagpoles, I should say, she's also an incredible shadow blocker. Like, probably the best that I'd seen all day as far as just one-on-one using her footwork and stuff. And her importance cannot be... You know, I think it's a little overlooked here. I, I haven't really talked about shadow blockers too much throughout this season, but it's little things like that that make Ottawa Ottawa and make them the force that they are throughout this game and throughout the entire season. And so, you know, after eating up the first five minutes of the clock, I mean, just a great drive to start this game. Kansas Wesleyan, you have to respond here. But throughout this first half, the Kansas Wesleyan offense, ugh, they, speaking of mental toughness, they did not look like they were ready for this game. You had false starts, you had false snaps, you had delay of games, you had miscommunications on throws and stuff like that. Kansas Wesleyan looked like a mess heading into this game. And, you know, it just seemed very uncharacteristic of them to be playing this game as rattled as they seemed or or scared. I don't know what it was, but they they looked like a big mess, and you cannot do that against this Ottawa team. Granted, you know, their defense does step up here um, to to force a turnover on downs and whatnot for, for this Ottawa team, but, uh, you know, their offense just doesn't really return the favor, and I don't think they crossed midfield the entire first half. KWU, that is. Nah, they did not. I, I have a stat here for you in a minute, but I, I want to first, though, give respect a, a little bit more to this Kansas Wesleyan defense because they played really good in this first half. You know, if this offense was up to par, you know, there was probably a good chance that this Kansas Wesleyan team would be leading over Ottawa because – you know, this defense just played really well. There is a two there are two times where, you know, Ottawa was in the red zone, kinda, you know, kinda on the edge of the red zone. So they were about twenty yards out here. And, you know, Carrera she was she was uh diming it up. You know, she was rifling in some of these passes. All the passes she threw in this first half were very accurate in my opinion. But you know, they were passes that were in one-on-one. You know, they're picking out players and trying to get the receivers to, you know, hey, go make a play in one-on-one against these uh, defenders. And if they can't stop you, they can't stop you. And this is where this Kansas Wesleyan defense really stood up and said no and won these one-on-one matchups. You know, Alexa Mansur, she had a very good uh, deflection on fourth down against Jasmine Camacho, who, if you remember, had a hat trick literally against Midland um, earlier today, you know, and so uh, she she came up with a big stop there. You know, I, I want to say Jada Wilson and Angel Roman both came up with big stops in one-on-one there, and so this defense was balling out. You know, they were doing a really good job here uh, defensively just to win these one-on-one matchups, and even if you look 
like you know down the line in this game you know in these touchdowns that were scored here uh i'm looking at this one on um like the one right before half here it was basically second down here and Carrera threads that needle to Jasmine Camacho on the sideline that was the play that DB could have beat you know if she was positioned right I, in my opinion she just took a really bad angle I don't know why I think she was trying to undercut it and it just didn't turn out well because she was trying to play the ball and <laughs> she should have played the receipt if she played Camacho then that ball would have been knocked down and it probably still would have been 13 to 0 going into halftime you know, and then just looking down the line as well, going to the third and fourth, I mean, a lot of these touchdowns are just touchdowns in one-on-one. -on -one. This Bailey Hodgins touchdown, it was literally just a nine-route called in one-on-one, -on -one, and she had a step on her receiver. It was a perfect throw by Carrera to just put it right over her shoulder, you know, and uh, the DB was just caught just, a, just slightly off, a step off. And so, you know, this Kansas Wesleyan team, you know, they trusted their athletes to make plays in one-on-one -on -one. no help from the safety it wasn't zone you know like it was one-on-one -on -one coverage and for the most part they did a good job but honestly it was just the offense offensively and it wasn't just Brianna Hernandez Silva because she still went 22 of 34 for 153 passing yards a touchdown and you know she only had eight rushing yards but still though you know it was it was probably a team effort on offense widely struggled and here's here's a stat I want to throw out to you for this whole game so kansas wesley and cody they had 10 offensive drives i'm gonna go ahead and throw out the uh one of these drives because it was right before halftime you know they had like 10 seconds left they like took a knee or whatever right so it didn't matter so really nine offensive drives out of these nine offensive drives only one of those drives went for more than five plays dear god so, i mean not turnovers well yeah, not turnovers because Silva didn't throw an interception. Like, it's just them not being able to convert on fourth down, not being able to extend these drives, finding themselves in third and long situations because you either can't snap the ball or you have a false start, which shouldn't be happening at all at this point in the season, to be no, honest with you. not at all. It's just it's self-inflicted wounds for the most part. So not even turnovers, you know. And so that that's probably where this loss hurts the most, knowing that, we didn't even turn over the ball if you take out fourth down conversions and whatnot. And we still lost 34 to 7. We scored we scored a touchdown in garbage time, basically, which really didn't matter at all outside of pride, you know. So and that was the one drive that lasted more than you know, more than five plays. That was a 10-play drive. And so I, I wanna make sure Ottawa gets their uh, do you know obviously they did a good job flag pulling and suffocating Kansas, defense yeah you know just putting their them pass in rush was situations. insane this game. yeah no their pass rush was doing a good job you know shout out to Hannah Sirquana and uh Alyssa Gillespie you know they, they were doing a good job putting them in some of these situations but there are also at least half of these drives were situations that Kansas Wesleyan put themselves in and you know when you're playing defense and the opposing offense is putting themselves in situations that you want to put them in usually that's never a bad thing you know it makes playing defense for you that much easier and so you can't be fighting yourselves um you know making these just just mental mistakes honestly on offense defensively they played a real good game for the most part here but there's only so many you know one-on-one -on -one, you know four down situations that you could win before 
hey, we're still down by three scores, even though we're, you know, doing all these things or two scores or whatever, you know, so it's, ah, yeah, sorry. I just went on a whole rant there, but w what did you think about all that? I mean, I guess it's just this game in whole, you know, I mean, nine drives and only one of those went for five plays. And that was the last one in the, in the I can't talk, in the fourth quarter. That's, uh, that's pretty tough, not going to lie. So, I mean, I feel like uh, the first half is a good kind of reflection of this entire game with, you know, the mental mistakes. And, you know, as, as much as the KWU defense wants to battle, I mean, there's only so much you can do. And I mean, Ottawa, they're just very talented. They're very well coached, you know, and uh, ultimately that was enough to to win this game today. I mean, look. To end this half, I mean, it's it's one thing for Camacho to to get open with under 30 seconds left, but I mean, Ottawa was blocking the crap out of this KWU pass rush, and that wasn't just on this drive; that was throughout this game. I mean, like I was saying, Addison Osborne, she is invaluable to this Ottawa offense with her ability to shadow block very well. What Simon? It's Addison Orsburn, not Osborne. Orsburn, my bad. Yeah, um, I even have that typed down. But anyways, Addison Orsburn here, you know, with her ability to shadow block and the footwork that she has. And, you know, she doesn't backpedal when she shadow blocks. She comes right up to you. And I can tell that defenders get, like, mad about how they're getting blocked by her. And then, you know, if nothing's open, she can just spin out and catch a pass and pick up 10 to 15 yards pretty easily uh, just with her speed and athleticism. So she's a great addition to this offense. But, I mean, a lot of the time it's not necessary because, I mean, look, if you're blocking a pass rusher for like four seconds for Carrera, she's more than likely going to find the open person and throw an absolute dime. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what she did throughout this game. And KWU, on top of, you know, maybe some mental mistakes they were making on offense, they were just unlucky this game, too. I mean, I know that Ottawa doesn't score off of this, but I don't think I've ever seen a punt that's bounced back for a negative one net punt. Like, seriously, they punted it, and they were, I'm pretty sure they were punting into the wind, I want to say. And, you know, while the wind did kind of hinder it, it was the bounce back. Like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a punt bounce back so hard. And it was a negative one net punt. And that's just unlucky. I mean, granted, their their defense stepped up here and didn't allow Ottawa to score. But when your day's going like that, you know, that's like a Charlie Brown moment where you're just, oh my, are you kidding me? Like, how unlucky do we have to be today? And combine that with just the phenomenal game plan and coaching on Ottawa's side and the talent. I mean, look, Carrera's touchdown throw to Hodgins, that is into heavy wind. It's a perfect throw in one-on-one -on -one coverage in a place where only her receiver can make this catch. That should strike fear into all competitive. That play is what has me on this Ottawa high. I mean, obviously, you know, they won the KCAC for a plethora of reasons. And, you know, with their backup quarterback in, you could tell that this Ottawa team has so many athletes who can go up and make plays and make great grabs and whatnot. 
But with Carrera in this lineup, I am very high on Ottawa heading into Nationals. Uh, they're just so talented at a lot of positions. And, you know, they, they're they very well coached. And they're mentally tough. And I think that, you know, those losses earlier in the season, I think that that helped this Ottawa team become a better squad. And I'm very excited for Nationals and this Ottawa squad heading into them. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. Um, by the way, Ottawa's your conference champions, by the way, <laughs> for the second straight Congratulations, year. Braves. There you go, yeah. Uh, I, I'm feeling them too. Look, you know, they lost to Thomas, then they got blown out by Weber, which is wild looking back now. But, you know, those aren't losses that were necessary. You know, you don't want to ever get complacent here. You know, there, there's probably a little bit of a feeling, uh, you know, between last year's national championship and then going, you know, like running through uh, your conference schedule and then going back to Florida, there is probably a little bit of a feeling of overconfidence, especially after you beat Warner the way you did as well, you know, but you needed to be humble just a little bit. And now you get your shot again in the national championship. And not only this, you're defending your title. Don't forget that, you know, ain't nobody else is the 2022 national champions yet. You know, Thomas, they've had some good dubs. Congrats to them. They've done their thing. But at the end of the day, they haven't won a national championship like you have, you know. And so, you know, that's the kind of confidence you got to be carrying into this thing, man. Um, you got to prove a point, you know. There is no tomorrow after this. And that goes for all these KCAC teams going into the tournament, man. I mean, look, there is no tomorrow. You can't be having some of these mental mistakes. You're going to literally be playing in the – well – uh no yeah actually i i want to say so once once okay after pool play i'm sure you're gonna be playing in a dome you know um the falcons dome by the way so can't be talking about win or anything like that in my opinion i feel like the kcac has dealt with more weather stuff than you know than arguably the sun conference sun conference you have rain and stuff but that's i mean that's a little different though you could still kind of pass through it but you know, just going into this tournament, you know, I just got to be ready to play. You know, got to be ready to compete. Um, you know, you have the film from earlier on. Uh, some of these teams that did go down to Florida, you have the film from earlier on in the season. That should be valuable. Study the heck out of that, you know, and then, hey, watch the Sun Conference tournament this Saturday as well because uh, there's going to be some fireworks for sure. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, so there you go there. That's our reaction to the KCAC tournament here. Uh, in a minute, we're going to go ahead and talk uh, a little bit more about the KCAC. We're going to actually react to the all-conference selections and some of the awards given out here for this 2022 season. So we're going to react to that, then we'll talk about the Sun Conference. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We here are going to go ahead and react to the 2022 KCAC Women's Flag Football All-Conference selections here. Um, awards were also given out as well. You know, this was right before their tournament play, so just keep that in mind. And these were announced last uh, last week. And so before I talk about the offensive teams, I do want to read out some of these awards. So Liz Sowers, Ottawa's head coach, did win um, the 2022 KCAC Women's Flag Football Coach of the Year. 
Uh, By the way, this is voted on by, you know, her peers as well. So other head coaches, as well as I want to say most of these, uh, all of these selections. So, you know, coaches are voting on these. Just keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, so Sour Sheewood's head coach of the year. Congrats to her. And then Madison Carrera of Ottawa and Brianna Hernandez-Silva of Kansas Wesleyan. Both quarterbacks were named co-players of the year, both threw for over 1,200 yards, 20-plus passing touchdowns, and ran for 500-plus rushing yards. True dual threats out here. And then Defensive Player of the Year went to Abby Brown of Ottawa. Uh, She just did it all. Had 56 total tackles, 9 sacks, 3 picks, 12 pass deflections at linebacker. So there you go. Congrats to those award winners. Let's go ahead and talk about these first team and second team um, offensive or all-conference selections here. So let's start with first team offense here. Uh, At quarterback, we have Brianna Hernandez-Silva of Kansas Wesleyan. At running back, we have Kendra Velasquez-Monroe. At receiver, we have Angel Roman, the freshman. At um, Well, we have a couple receiver spots here. We have Alyssa Linkus and Clara Bodaway of Ottawa University. And then we also, oh, sorry, we also have Jasmine Camacho of Ottawa University. That one was um, kind of near the bottom here. Then the last receiver to make first team all conference was Caroline Simpson of the University of St. Mary. And then screen blocker, uh, that went to Abby Orsburn of Ottawa University. And then center, uh, first team all center, was Maya Plotz of, Uni- of the University of St. Mary's. So there you go. That's first team offense. Second team offense at quarterback, Madison Carrera uh, of Ottawa. At running back, Addison Orsburn. I-, I don't know why they put her at, that's a little weird, at screen blocker and then at running back for second team. But whatever. Addison Orsburn at running back, uh, second team out of Ottawa. You have Jada Wilson at receiver from Kansas Wesleyan from Kansas Wesleyan, sorry. You have Alyssa Hollis, receiver out of Cotton College. You have Jerrica Johnson, receiver out of the University of St. Mary. You have uh, Michaela Nunez, a receiver out of Midland University. And then at screen blocker for uh, second team here, we have Taylor Jordan from Cotton College. And then at center, we have Kaylin Dawson from Kansas Wesleyan University. So there you go. That's your first team and second team offenses here. Uh, there is an honorable mention offense, but we're going to talk honorable mentions at the end here. Cody, what's your reaction to this uh, or to these selections here? I don't disagree with really any of them other than my my knee. It's interesting, like you said, that they had uh, Orsburn at running back and screen blocker when I almost feel like maybe she could be first team running back because she's good at running the football and catching the football and blocking, you know, like an all around, you know, in in standard terms, you'd say like a three down back, but I'm not too pressed about it. Um, She's like, I, I talked about her talent in the last segment in that, you know, Kansas Wesleyan KCAC championship game on how important she is to this Ottawa team. So I'm glad that she has a first-team selection. And, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not terribly surprised here. Um, other than maybe not... Um, no, I'm not, I'm not terribly surprised here. 
honestly. Uh, all of it kind of checks out, and um, you know, th every every single one of these players. First off, congratulations for making these teams and whatnot. And uh, you know, some of these players, I feel like they might be better on defense, but defense is kind of a loaded position here in the KCAC, especially between Ottawa and Kansas Wesleyan. Um, look, Abby Brown, she had like, I want to say 20 more flagpoles than the next closest player on her team. And, you know, she just put together an incredible season with the 16 pass breakups. That was double anybody else on her team. So while, you know, the, the stats are, they're good, obviously, but being able to perform well on your team and thus impact it into wins is some of the most important stuff you could do. And that's why you you have the players here that you have. When I initially read it, Simon, you recall this, I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting that Hernandez Silva here caps the first team quarterback and Carrera caps the second team quarterback. However, the fact that they're both co-offensive player of the years, I feel like just makes it make a little bit more sense. And while Ottawa could afford to, you know, play other people passing the ball and also find, you know, some success. I mean, uh, Sydney, is it rude? Is that how you say it? I want to say um, yeah. she she still had an incredible season throwing 10 touchdowns to one pick. Right. So even with Madison's incredible, insane MVP like performance this year, I can see kind of how the committee's like, well, look at, you know, one quarterback to the next and see that, you know, there's not as much of a drop off versus, you know, how many games does this KW team, uh, KWU team win without uh, Hernandez Silva? And having watched a handful of KWU games this year, she is responsible for a lot of plays and once you can find a way to bottle her up, then, you know, this KWU offense starts to kind of struggle a little bit versus, you know, if you can find a way to bottle up Madison Carrera, there's ways to get the, the ball into the hands of playmakers to get upfield, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, look, I'll, I'll come. Uh, I can't talk here. Sorry. I'll kind of just be honest here. Uh, Brianna Hernandez Silva and Madison Carrera are probably interchangeable to me. One could be first team, one could be second team. Either way, they're both top two in the conference, and I think that's undisputable, you know. But uh, both of them, I mean, had excellent seasons here. I could see why Silva was voted to first team here. But like I said, in my opinion, they're interchangeable. One could be on first team, one could be on second team. It really yeah. doesn't matter. They're both 1A and 1B. So, you know, and I'm not going to say who is who because it doesn't matter. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think – Honestly, uh, yeah, no, nothing too crazy here. I think it's interesting that, uh, like you said, Addy Orsburn was listed at two spots. I don't know what that was about, but it is what it is. I think Addy Orsburn probably, and this isn't anything against Kendra Velasquez Monroe, but I think Addy Orsburn is probably a first-team running back. I, I, at least I would call her that. As yeah. you have handed her the ball, you know, they've – on her screens and stuff and you know in in certain situations she has ripped apart defenses that you know aren't really accounting for the running back to be that explosive and such a good athlete and so i i probably know her more for her ability to you know catch the ball and get get you know get get those key yards before those big plays 
So I probably would have voted her first team running back, but that is uh, that's just me. So I mean, yeah. When you when you look at it too, I feel like there's a, a fairly sizable gap here because uh, Velasquez Monroe, you know, uh, she she got like 153 yards on 20 rushes and a, and a score with nine catches for 38. Meanwhile, in Orsburn land, um, you know, rushing the ball, you know, she she picked up 105 and three touchdowns, but then also catching the ball, she caught for like. 500 yards and seven scores so versatility is is something to know at maybe the running back position but maybe it's more on just the straight up attempts and and yards per carry or something i'm not quite sure yeah no sure so uh, there you go also i'm just looking at the hometowns because they're also listed here i love like just the diversity here because uh, you already know when we go to the sun conference everyone's going to be from florida <laughs> Except for like Adriana Cavallotti, which I think is the only um, non the only non Florida player that comes to mind because she's from New York. She played with SIG, so that's how I know you know her name. But just looking at these hometowns, I mean Brianna Hernandez Silva, Las Vegas, um, Montreal, Canada. Yeah, our, one of our lone Canadians in the well college football in general, Claire Bodaway, you know from Montreal. That's big. Uh, Caroline Simpson, you know, being from uh, Denton, Texas, you know, that's big time. I believe, or hold up, I, I want to say she's the first, no, she's not. She's not the first Texas player to make a first team, all-conference team. That actually goes to her teammate, Jerrica Johnson, uh, who's from Dallas. So there you go, two Texas players um, on these uh, offensive lists here. You love to see that. Also, Addie Orsburn from Round Rock, Texas, as well. You know, just, uh, you know, that's, that just kind of shows how much this game is growing and whatnot. You know, so a big shout out to some of these hometowns here. And then obviously, Florida is still, you know, they're still representing Madison Carrera from Riverview, Florida, uh, Jada Wilson from Crawfordville, Florida, you know, just to name a few there. So, uh, so yeah. Just wanted to say that, but uh, don't think I have anything more to say about these first and second team offenses. Cody, uh, do you have anything more or do you want to go ahead and talk about these uh, all conference defenses here? It's uh, it's just interesting uh, speaking on that uh, diversity a little bit to see an Arkansas player here in uh, Taylor Jordan for Cotty College, the second team screen blocker here. Um, but uh, I mean, Obviously, it's very exciting to to see all of these players here because, I mean, you have majority uh, freshmen and sophomore here. So, you know, these are names that you could see over and over again, or maybe this is the only time that you get to see some of these young guns uh, cap some of these awards so early. But a special shout out to seniors, you know, like uh, Clara for, for Ottawa, and Jerrica Johnson out of, you know, um, St. Mary's. And I want to say Brianna Hernandez Silva. It says junior here, but she's a senior. Yeah, but she's a senior. So shout out, a special shout out to the seniors who did make these lists. You know, that's that's big time to do in your senior year. But uh, I think we're ready to talk about defense here. And are yeah, we including utility here as well? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Let's just I, go ahead and include a okay. utility slash special teams here. Let's yeah, because I mean it's only like two or three players for first and second team. So, anyways, oh. here on the first team defense at um, at rusher here to start us off. I'm just gonna read it from top to bottom. We have Hannah Serquina, uh, Serquina. Um, she's out of Ottawa. Then you have Casey Thompson out of Midland at linebacker. Abby Brown, obviously, you know, being defensive player of the year, you end up getting on first team defense more than likely here out of Ottawa. Then you have Lexi Marquez out of Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, Alyssa Gillespie, I don't know how to read anymore, out of um, Ottawa, who is at linebacker, but also does a really good job of rushing the passer as well. Angel Roman, yep, that is a name that you just heard, and you heard it back-to-back -back here because she's just an incredible athlete here out of Kenneth Wesleyan. Jerrica Johnson out of University of St. Mary. Nina Grave de Peralta out of Ottawa University, and Haley McKay out of Ottawa as well. So very Ottawa-heavy on this first team. And then on the first-team utility and punt team specialist, you have uh, Michaela Nunez out of Midland, who is listed at utility. And then out of Cotty College, you know, the second name that you're hearing here, and the only one on first team is Christella Jean Just out of, uh, out of Cotty, as I said, for punt specialist. Then second team defense, you have Ashaya Smith out of St. Mary at rusher and Sydney Red out of Midland also at rusher. Uh, two Georgia players holding down the rushing spot actually here as freshmen on this second team defense. Then you have PMC fam, Alexa Menser. It's weird reading Alexandra. So I'm <laughs> that's Alexa to be um, out of Kansas Wesleyan. Then Kenzie Murdoch, another PMC fam member here at the linebacker spot, second team. Then Brianna Vito out of Ottawa. Then you have Hernandez Silva once again here, but this time as a defensive back on the second team defense. Caroline Simpson once again here being read second team defense at defensive back out of St. Mary, Jennifer Anthony out of Ottawa University at defensive back, the senior, and then Jada Wilson once again here, but this time at defensive back. And then for uh, second team utility and punt team specialist, Jerrica Johnson at utility here, making second team. And then uh, I want to say Maya Ploetz out of uh, St. Mary Plots. here for plots. Oh, it's, it's just straight up all right uh plots out of saint mary here and then uh jaslyn camacho out of ottawa for pun specialist as well so simon initial reactions i mean this first team is overwhelmingly ottawa and kansas wesleyan which i am not very surprised at but we get a lot of diversity and a lot of youth i want to say here on this second team more than anything else yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Ottawa, they had the best defense in the KCAC, so there's no surprises here. I mean, they had, it just felt like they had so many players that they could just plug in at different positions, whether it was rusher, linebacker, DB, and they're so versatile. That's kind of what makes them a little dangerous out here, you know, when you're on offense trying to read them because they got players that they can move around, you know, and so. That's kind of something I really love about that defense over there. So no surprises that there are so many Ottawa players on a first and second team defense here. I do want to shout out Casey Thompson out of Midland. Uh, she had an excellent year. Midland may have not had a great year, 
to be honest with you. But Casey Thompson being the lone senior, you know, I've heard a lot of things about her leadership and whatnot. Um, and just uh, her just being a really big, you know, just core and just pillar of not only that, you know, defense, but of that program over at Midland. Because she also does her thing on offense as well. And so Casey Thompson, man, I mean, she, she got it done at linebacker for Midland and will probably go down as one of the uh, early legends for this Midland team here because she she killed it, you know, whether it's getting interceptions, getting sacks, getting tackles, she got it done. And, and she's the only player from Nebraska on all of these um, all-conference selections list. Like, there's no other player from Nebraska, I believe, on these lists, or at least on first and second team. And so, you know, and she's also a senior, so – Big shout out to her for holding it down for Nebraska over there. I know, uh, you know, they're growing women's flag football over there. There's a couple of leagues specifically in that Omaha area, which is where she's from, that are, uh, you know, on the come up here. So just be on the lookout for that. So uh, big shout out to her. That's big time. Angel Roman killing it. You know, at this point, I think she's definitely locked in for Final Four when it comes to freshman of the year. I It's hard to argue against that. You know, I'm just going to be real with you there. So, um, so yeah, and then just looking at second team here, shout out to that PMC fam, Alexa Mansur and Kenzie Murdoch. I mean, look, to start as freshmen, and both of these freshmen were captains of their team as well, by the way. So just big shout out to them. I mean, we knew, we knew what they were about, you know. We knew the leadership they had. We interviewed um, Kenzie, you know. We've, we've known about Alexa, obviously. We've obviously talked before and whatnot. And so, you know, we have a bunch of love for them. They did their thing. They led their teams, you know, not only defensively, but, you know, just on the field in general, you know, and off the field as well. And so, you know, just big shout out to them. You know, I'm super proud of them for doing what they do. And uh, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't have too much here. Oh, and then shout out to those Georgia players, Ashaya Smith, Sydney Red, Sydney Red. She had a couple really good games as a rusher for Midland. Ashaya Smith, uh, she had some good, you know, moments for St. Mary's, especially down this stretch on defense. But I also want to shout her out just briefly on offense as well. You know, uh, they, I think they found their starting running back, which is not something you say every day. You know, and so that's that's a good deal for uh, St. Mary to have a player like that that's returning. That's only a freshman, you know. So, uh, so yeah. But uh, congrats to all these uh, first and second team defensive players. Cody, uh, well, what do you think about uh, these uh, two teams here? Oh, and then shout out, obviously, to the special teams as well. It wasn't super surprising. I, I kind of figured that each of these players would uh, get on here for special teams. Well, I want to echo everything you said, uh, Casey Thompson. I mean, <laughs> just from that play in, you know, the biggest stage that Midland has got to play to up into this point in the year. I mean, if that's not a great reflection of just her overall ability, then, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. But also being from Nebraska and getting to play for a Nebraska school and be a part of, you know, this historical moment, big, big deal. And like you said, also talented on offense, but uh, very good to see, you know, her instincts and uh, linebacker capabilities make this first team defense here. I will say, I am a little confused here, Simon, on how senior defensive back Jennifer Anthony doesn't make first team here. I am too, because I think she's, and this is just my, you know, non-biased opinion. I'm not like an Ottawa super fan or anything. But personally, 
I think she's a better DB than uh, Grave to Peralta and McKay. No, no, nothing against them. Nothing against them. They did their thing. But I mean, she I recorded like... more interceptions. Yes. She had as many pass pass breakups as they had combined. Okay. And I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying this in in the disrespectful way. I'm saying this in the she played incredible. She had that huge pass breakup in that Midland game. It was an incredible break on the ball. She's but... an athletic freak. She could match up against a, you know dang near anyone in the country. And she put up the numbers to back it up, and yet, and, and I feel like she drew wide receiver one responsibilities, like all year too. Yeah, so, I was just about to say that I saw her matched up because I watched all the Ottawa games. By the way, I've seen every Ottawa game, and I feel like she's been matched up one on one with uh, opposing teams wide out ones. So that's interesting. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe, I had to read it twice because oh. i was like wait what you know what i mean yeah maybe there's a little bit of nevada bias there <sighs> but i don't know i mean it's it, it is what it is that they're holding I'm the arkansanians down i don't know what'd you say <laughs> i said they're holding the arkansanians down i don't know i am not gonna comment on that because i don't know what you're called from Arkansas, so if it's not an Arkansanian, just ignore it. But you know what I mean. Um, right. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Okay, that is definitely a little bit of a surprise there. Um, that may be the biggest... Oh. I think that might be the biggest slip-up on either of these teams, if I have to be 100% honest. But it's, look, it's the difference between first team and second team. You know, I, I know, probably interchange I know. some of these DBs as well. Because Caroline Simpson did a really good job at DB as well. Like, uh, I bet she was a better DB than wide receiver this year, honestly. Oh, yeah. She put up more stats at DB than wide receiver. But, eh, you know, I, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, I think um, at the DB position, you definitely have a couple players that are a little interchangeable here. Jada Wilson is a really good DB. Oh, she absolutely. Some big plays, you know, so it's not like it's like bad company to be on second team defense. But, you know, def definitely a couple names here um, that are a little interchangeable. But like I said, it's the difference between first team and second team. They're still all conference, you know. Yeah. Oh, also, I wanted to take this moment to shout out uh, Jada Wilson. You know, while she did make a uh, second team on both offense and defense, you know, if there was like, um, like all around, you know, kind of thing, um, like if they had to build like a both ways team, then I mean, Jada Wilson, she definitely finds her way on that team because I mean, she's just an incredible athlete who I think has a lot of potential and just has really big strides and uh, top level speed that I think is only going to get faster as the years go on and as her, you know, um, as she improves for this KWU squad, she's somebody who I think has a lot of potential to be a regular on the first team of either side of the ball heading forward. Um, yeah, just an incredible, incredible athlete. So I wanted to shout out Jada Wilson there for sure. And then once again, just shout out to the seniors who did make these lists, you know, shout out to, um, to Casey Thompson, like you said, shout out to Jerrica Johnson, who, I mean, if for her last game in KCAC com competition, 
she played lights out. Um, so she left everything on the field there and, you know, left a great impression. Uh, shout out to Christella out of Cotty, you know, for for being the first team representative of of Cotty in general. And uh, of course, uh, Jennifer Anthony on this first uh, second team defense as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and hop into honorable mentions. I could go ahead and talk about honorable mentions on offense versus honorable mention uh, team here. So let me go ahead and go down the line. Uh, right here at quarterback, we have Cheyenne Galbraith from the University of St. Mary. Uh, at running back, we have Midlands Shade Irving. We have um, Marissa Robino at wide receiver for Kansas Wesleyan. At uh, the other wide receiver spot, we have Angelina Cruz from Cotty. We have Ashlyn Tuss, wide receiver out of the University of St. Mary. We have Allison Malfair, uh, wide receiver from Midland. We have Bailey Hodgins, wide receiver out of Ottawa. We have uh, Kui Wailai, wide receiver out of Kansas Wesleyan University. We have Daniela Goodrich, wide receiver out of Cotty College. And then at screen blocker, we have two here. We have Alexis Jimenez from Kansas Wesleyan University. And then we have Ellie Campbell from the University of St. Mary. And then at center, we have Courtney Willie from Ottawa University. And then we have Cassandra Chavez from Midland University taking up the last center spot here. So there you go there. Um, Cody, why, why don't you go ahead and say the honorable mentions for defense and special teams, and then we'll react to this as a whole. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. So um, moving here to defense, we're going to start off right off the bat with um, three Kansas Wesleyan players. Uh, well, actually, two Kansas Wesleyan players, but uh, two different positions for Kendra Velasquez Monroe. She got honorable mention at linebacker as well as rusher. And then Alexis Jimenez here is, you know, an honorable mention at the linebacker spot. Then continuing down, you have uh, Alyssa Gillespie, uh, Gillespie. Oh, my goodness. I don't know why that's giving me such a struggle here as a rusher. I mentioned it when you know reading out her name earlier for the defensive squad then ashlyn tuss out of university of st mary as a defensive back cheyenne durand at midland university as a defensive back honorable mention uh farron maloaf malif um oh. out of out of ottawa at uh defensive back and then daniela goodridge out of Cotty College at honorable mention for defensive back. So another Cotty player here. And then for utility and punt team specialist, uh, Hernandez Silva and Angel Roman both get, you know, utility honorable mention here. Uh, Nadia Simpson gets utility out of Midland. Dare uh, Stellas out of St. Mary Dyer gets Stellas. Stellas? Yeah, Dyer. Uh, Dair Stellas uh, out of St. Mary here gets utility. And then uh, Courtney Dinkle wraps up this list out of Greeley, Colorado for Kansas Wesleyan at Pun Team Specialist. Shout out Northridge High School. There yes, sir. Shout out my boy Garza, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, yeah, let, let's just react to this here. I think I got to. First off, I've got to shout out uh, Daniela Goodrich being the first player from Panama to uh, make an all-conference team here. The only player from Panama in all of college football or women's uh, college football here, you know. So that's that's pretty big. I know a couple more Panama players will be 
coming over to Cotty, actually, from that national team. If you remember at the Pro Bowl, you know, that Panama national flag football team, they beat Texas Fury. And so a lot of those players, you know, they're recruitable, you know, and they're, they're teams that uh, that want those Panama players. And so Cotty, they'll be getting a good, good uh, you know, a good amount of those players coming in. And so Daniela Goodridge is kind of just the first of many. And so, you know, love to see a pioneer right there. Uh, making, um, you know, honorable mention offense and defense. Defensively, she probably had a little bit of a, you know, she probably had a little bit of an argument to at least make second team. But, you know, when when defense is, uh, well, when you're playing both ways, you know, it's easy to get fatigued and the score probably doesn't reflect that. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, Cody, is there anyone else that you want to talk about here? Well, I just want to say here, um, Galbraith was the obvious choice for honorable mention quarterback. And, you know, there's going, this is going to look very different next year. Galbraith being a senior, Hernandez Silva being a senior. Uh, other than Carrera. Do what? Silva is going to graduate, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So what I'm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Sorry. Well, you made it sound like they're coming back next year as a senior. No, no, no. I'm saying it's going to be very different next year because, you know, two quarterbacks who made these all teams, you know what I mean, will not be there. And other than Carrera, who's coming back, there's going to be there's going to be space to prove yourself here in the KCAC and who's going to step up. So I'm issuing that challenge to either incoming quarterbacks or returning quarterbacks here in the KCAC. And, you know, just issuing that challenge here to make these teams because it's even with these quarterbacks not returning, it's not going to be any easier, I don't think, to to make some of these all teams, especially as this flag football grows on the NAIA level. But anyways, continuing on, uh, Sade Irvin here out of Midland. You know, Sade Irvin. Sa- Sade Irvin. Sade. Sade. My, I am so sorry. <laughs> Irvin. I, I just heard Irvin all game when you I was watching turbo. the game. So, or, or Turbo here. Yeah. Um, she is on my watch list to make a first team during her time. She's incredibly athletic, has insane footwork, and, you know, does a great job of evading flagpoles and i think that you know maybe with as you know more chemistry is built with this midland squad that is fairly young i will say on the offensive side of the ball and maybe as time goes on and you know things like that and a rhythm gets developed turbo here can very easily make a first team in her time at midland i think athletically speaking i don't think that's a crazy take to have um Furthermore here, uh, it's also good to see uh, Campbell here make it at honorable mention as a screen blocker because whenever St. Mary had two blockers, I think that's when Galbraith played her best. And so, you know, you got to give a shout out to both of them for making that possible. And, you know, creating, which is pretty uncommon in flag, creating a pocket really for her to work out of which she looked most comfortable maneuvering rather than like rollouts that you see more often or anything like that. So good to see, you know, people who create that pocket getting in here, especially 
you know, I'd say that they made some pretty solid pockets against the KWU squad that has some good rushers as well, um, like the likes of uh, Velasquez, Monroe, and whatnot. So, you know, shout out to to the screen blockers there that I wanted to put some respect on. And, uh, yeah, I'm not... I mean, once you get to honorable mentions, uh, this list is a little bit bigger. So outside of, you know, the quarterback and running back position that take one, uh, if, if you put up respectable numbers here, you'll find yourself on these lists here. Um, and you'll see that these lists in particular are also, well, I mean, all the lists are young in a lot of ways, but this is a good kind of watch list for people to look at next year and kind of where the programs might head talent-wise if they have graduating talent. Yeah, no, for sure. Because um, there's definitely a lot of players to look out here for. I mean, Ashlyn Tuss out of the University of St. Mary. She made offense and defense. Yep. Yeah, she did uh, honorable mention. mention. Yeah, and she was a deployed candidate here. I mean, she is, but... I, she definitely picked it up more on offense here in the last couple weeks, um, taking on pretty big load as that wide out one, wide out two, um, you know, I mean, you could switch them out, you know, and so she did her thing there. So I just want to give her a shout out, <clears throat> just a big part of that St. Mary passing attack. And then Kui uh, Wiley out of Kansas Wesleyan, a little surprised she didn't make a first or second team. She was ripping apart offenses for a good, like, it felt like two or three weeks stretch, uh, just going crazy out there. You know, it felt like she was unguardable at times. And so I uh, want to give her a shout out because she's probably somebody that will make a first or second team later here um, in the coming years. Bailey Hodgins is another one of those players from Canton, Georgia, by the way. But um, she plays receiver and she was great at it. There were times she looked like a wide out one and she would take out defenses on her own, you know, but also she does play quarterback as well. And so, you know, I think she's more of that emergency quarterback role because it goes Carrera, Rude, and then probably Bailey hereafter. So, so, yeah. But, That's not uh, a bad problem to have. And Bailey had that incredible snag in yes. in the championship game, um, the the one that should strike fear into national competitors' hearts. I that throw. That's going to be on replay in my head, and that catch for probably the next week or so. Yeah, no, for sure. So there's a lot of talent here, you know, a lot of talent here in the KCAC. I know people, and, you know, part part of it is, is because, you know, we said this at the beginning of the season, but I know people say that, you know, oh, the Sun Conference, it's like the SEC, best talent, best conference right now. I would probably agree, you know, the Sun Conference is the best talent for women's flag football uh, for now, you know, but, you know, you have players here that are getting opportunities early on here. And, you know, in the Sun Conference, you're just not going to see that because you have a lot of, you have uh, significantly more veterans, I would say. A lot more players who uh, aren't underclassmen and are upperclassmen or have been playing this game for a very, very long time. And so, you know, coming to the KCAC, there's a lot of opportunities. You know, there's a lot of opportunities to start, to learn, especially, you know, and no, it's going to show here in the next coming years as I feel like the uh, KCAC might pull a little bit closer to the Sun Conference outside of Ottawa. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, but uh, boom, there you go. That is the KCAC All-Conference teams right there. 
we are at the Playmakers Corner. We're going to make our own uh, list. Um, well, it'll be a national list. It'll just be an all-Playmaker list. And so we'll have, you know, probably just a first team and yeah, just a first team offense and defense, I would say, since it'll be nationally. And that'll just be our opinion. Like, it won't be voted on by anybody else, probably outside of us. And so we'll release that after the season as an after nationals, most likely, just to recognize the truly, you know, the best of the best in the entire country there. So I just I just wanted to say that. But uh, you know what? We could continue to keep this thing going, Cody, if you're good with it. But you want to go ahead and talk about this Sun Conference tournament real quick here? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So uh, it's it's going to be a lot shorter than the KCAC tournament because there's only four teams. They take the top four teams. And so here are the matchups. It's going to take place in uh, or at Thomas University. So in Georgia at Thomasville. And so... Here is, here, let me find it here, or nope, never mind, I can't find it. Never mind. So basically, here's how it goes. Thomas, they're the one seed. Kaiser is the two seed, I want to say here. Yep, Kaiser's the two seed. Then you have St. Thomas, they're the three seed. And then Warner is the four seed here. Uh, under their first year head coach, by the way, so congrats to them. That's, um, that's pretty big time uh, for them. So there you go there. And so how it's going to work, you know, you have uh, these uh, quarterfinal, semifinal games, whatever you want to call them. Thomas University, they're going to face off with Warner, the fourth seed. And then Kaiser, they're going to play St. Thomas. And then obviously the winner of that plays for the Sun Conference Championship. So uh, let's talk about this first matchup here. We have Thomas versus Warner here. Obviously, the last time they met up wasn't too long ago. It was on uh, 420, April 20th. You know, and it was a it was a wild one where Warner University they came back. You know, and they had a lead over Thomas here. They were leading something like twenty six to, uh, or sorry, not twenty six. Um, they were leading like twenty to like fourteen or something like that, twenty to thirteen or something like that, going into the last two minutes here. And then Thomas basically scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes to win twenty six to twenty. And an absolute thriller and banger and classic of a game here. And so the rematch comes up here in this Sun Conference tournament. Also, if you want to go before then as well, you know, they met up one other time. And Thomas just beat Warner by only 14, uh, 14 to 0. I believe it was at that Tampa Bay Classic uh, thing that the Buccaneers were hosting. And so all close matchups, you know, both times. And so going into this matchup here, Thomas obviously... They have home field advantage. You know, the crowd should be going, hopefully here in Georgia and whatnot. Um, if you can't go, you should go and whatnot. And so it'll be – this is definitely a game where I would say Thomas is favored. Obviously, they've won both times, and then they're at home, and they're the one seed, you know, boasting that number one defense in the entire country at the moment. Cody, what do you think about this game? You know, um, yeah, what do you think about this game? What are some things to look out for here? Well, okay, Thomas is the obvious favorite here, right? They're playing at home. They've beat Warner twice already this season. But, and, and there's the but, right? Don't count your uh, count your chickens before they hatch because this Warner team, I mean, look at what they did to Weber International this last week. Weber is a good 
football team. Okay. I know that they're not in the Sun Conference. They stumbled out of the gate and then, you know, they they didn't really close out here at the end to make it, right? So the but this Weber team is talented and Warner just kicked the snot out of them this past week. And I think it's because they're they're PO'd, you know, they're tired of getting pushed over by these other teams in the Sun Conference. And even though they have the lowest seed, I mean, I think you said it better than anyone that, you know, a lot of these Sun Conference teams could win nationals at that stage. And I think that any four of these Sun Conference teams can win the Sun Conference tournament. And, you know, Warner, I think that they're a very dangerous four seed. I think that, you know, obviously they had that lead against Thomas. And, you know, I mean, Thomas scored an improbable two touchdowns in the last like three minutes of the game, I want to say. Um, Ed and won this game in Warner. They got to be kicking themselves in the butt for it. But, uh, you know, that game was in Georgia, that last game that they played. So I think Warner's familiar with the environment. And um, I'm not going to call upset because uh, I'm too tired of being wrong throughout this season. But I will say I won't be entirely surprised if it does happen. Is that fair? If Warner plays spoiler? Yeah. I mean, look, all these games are going to be close. You know, to assume that one team is so much better than the other, at least in the Sun Conference, is just not, I mean, it's just not smart. You know, this Warner team's talented. They're young, though. That's the thing about them. They're very young. You know, this is a team that, you know, has gelled and grown together throughout this season. You know, uh, by the way, they are going to move up in the power rankings. We'll talk about that after this. But, you know, th this is a team that has continued to grow together throughout the season. Defensively, I mean, <clears throat> they can lock up. You know, they could definitely lock up. They have the athletes to do it. So, uh, and this is against a Thomas offense that, you know, has been a little, mm, a little up and down. You know, a little up and down. They've only scored, what, like more than three touchdowns a handful of times, you know. Uh, and these la this last month is kind of tough here. You know, you had a 7-6 to six dub over Florida Memorial, a 7-0 dub against Weber. You beat Kaiser 19-18. to 18. That one was kind of wild. You know, you had a last-second drive there. Beat St. Thomas 13-0. to zero. So it's not like, <clears throat> you know, this Thomas offense, you know, is – that much better than water you know they are good you know they could they have a couple ways of you know using up that clock and getting yards no doubt about it but warner they could get it going too and i think it starts with madison tingen and cynthia Holmes out here i mean here, here's the thing you know they're gonna go to cynthia Holmes. so if you're thomas you know you let warner beat you with anybody but cynthia Holmes here because she was basically the reason why Warner was able to pull, um, well, you know, why they were able to get the lead, you know, because she scored all their touchdowns in this game. And uh, she's just that kind of player. You know, she's super talented. She's someone that, you know, if you're Thomas, hey, go ahead and take, you know, remove her from the game and then let, you know, let Warner beat you with other receivers. And most likely, you know, it will be one-on-one -on -one with those other receivers. And when it comes to Thomas here, they have just so many athletes that could go one-on-one. -on -one. 
you know, Samaya Glover. Uh, she is an excellent corner for them, excellent DB. You also have Janae Scott, a linebacker. Brittany Delva is that linebacker as well. Both probably top linebackers in the entire country. You have their pass rusher as well. And Jada Reese, who is going to make Madison Tingen, you know, move around a little bit. She's going to make her uncomfortable. And so, you know, if you're Warner, you got to be ready to, you know, combat that. You got to have options outside of Cynthia Holmes. And, you know, if you're Thomas, I think you take that bet and make them beat you without Cynthia Holmes because they haven't done that too much this year so far. So uh, so there you go. But this one's going to be a close one. You know, they're going to battle for sure. There's no doubt about it. This will be a close game regardless. Yes. Sorry, I was struggling with my mute button. I uh, kind of like the stream a couple weeks ago. But anyways, um yeah, no, this is going to be a really close game. And, I mean, Thomas, they know how to beat Warner. They've done it twice. Um, but, uh, you know, this this big blowout that they put on Weber here, um, I, I definitely think that, you know, Thomas here, this is their first Sun Conference tournament appearance, being that it's their first year as a program. And their coaching staff has held it down all year. But, you know, we haven't seen them in a postseason-esque format, right? And there are, you know, coaches historically. Now, I, I'm not I'm not saying that this is going to be Thomas's case. But, uh, you know, the postseason is is a place where, where they can slip up. And, you know, every team is hungry. They want to prove Thomas wrong here. They want to topple the number one seed in our power rankings. And, uh, you know, they have a giant target on their back. So we'll we'll see what happens here with with this upcoming game. But uh, either way, just hoping for a good one. You know, if it's any kind of classic like the last one is, that's a win for us, the fans. So, well, also, you got to throw this out there as well, Cody Warner. This is their first time in a Sun, Sun Conference tournament as well. Under uh, well, first off, this first year head coach, well, but last first year, year head coach, right, right. Yep. And last year, you know, they didn't even finish the season, you know, to get to this point. Well, not that they were going to qualify for it anyways. There are a lot so, of question marks last season, so uh, two teams with a lot to prove here. Yeah. So both, I mean, I feel like both of these teams are kind of on a even playing field, not having been here before, you know. But I, obviously, the pressure is definitely on Thomas. They're the one seed. They are expected to win here because obviously you don't want to lose your first game because then you're watching, you know, two other teams play on your field, <laughs> playing on your field uh, for the rest of the day, which uh, which sucks, you know. So obviously the pressure's on Thomas here. Warner here, I mean, they really don't have anything to lose. I'm going to be completely honest with you because I think most people don't expect them to win this one anyways. So that makes them that much more dangerous that's why it's going to be close, you know. But altogether, I like this matchup because it's kind of an even matchup. I'm sure they didn't mean for it to fall this way, you know. But, uh, I mean, it's good that these two teams that haven't had a whole lot of experience in the postseason go ahead and uh, get that now before this next game, regardless of who wins before this next game going into the conference championship, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, but – uh. Let's we were ready to talk about the, matchup. yeah, <laughs> you and I are on the same page and, uh, Go ahead. something tells me that it's going to be different than maybe what we were treated to this past week. Um, so this second matchup is going to be between Kaiser 
two seed and St. Thomas, the three seed here. And these teams actually just played even more recently than Warner and Thomas did. They played Saturday, April 23rd. And first off, shout out to Kaiser for this website. Oh my goodness. It's, it looks so good. It's so intuitive. It's so informative. Thank you. But uh, anyways, getting back on track here, you know, Kaiser, uh, following that scoreless first quarter, um, they kind of ran away with this game. And I think that they even put in their backup quarterback at some point, um, Haley Young, throughout this game. So, you know, obviously not the showing that St. Thomas was really looking for. But I mean, this Kaiser defense is insane. I mean, they pitched a shutout. This is a good, this is a very good St. Thomas squad, by the way. And, you know, Kaiser here, they buckle down in the red zone like they always do. And, you know, uh, also forced, forced an interception here. And overall, I think just, I, I don't think the game will go the same, but I have a really hard time not seeing Kaiser in my Sun Conference championship. Uh, Simon, how much does this most recent matchup mean to you between St. Thomas and Kaiser? Um, and how much of a role do you think that this last game plays heading into this next one? I mean, look, this last matchup didn't matter. Kaiser was going to be the two seed regardless here. You know, but even if you go before that, you know, Kaiser played St. Thomas on March 10th earlier on this season, and they beat them pretty similarly. They beat them 19 to 0. You know, um, and they, and Kaiser was kind of riding a pretty a pretty nice wave here leading up to that point. You know, before that they beat Florida Memorial 27-7. They blew out Midland 41-0. The uh, infamous or famous Kennedy Foster catch happened in that game. Then they beat Warner University 27-12. On that same day, they beat Weber 20-13, and then that led to their game against St. Thomas, who they beat 19-0. Look, Kaiser's a good team. Um, they are a motivated team for sure. Let's let's keep that real, you know, for a second here. The only team that they've lost to all season is Thomas. You know, they lost to them um, in ironically in Thomasville, Georgia, to start the season 13 to 19. That definitely shook up the entire you know women's flag football scene here. And then they had that rematch and another classic game right here you know, back at Kaiser, and they lost to Thomas 18-19. to 19. You know, Thomas obviously putting together that last drive, um, partially in thanks to Shelby Hartley, you know, after that really long lightning delay. And so Kaiser is going into this, and they're probably looking a little bit ahead here at Thomas, uh, well, because they're going to be in Georgia, and they're saying like, yo, you know, there is no reason why we shouldn't be back in the conference championship to defend our title." You know, and so um, nothing against St. Thomas, but I'm looking at Kaiser and, you know, this obviously defensively Kaiser is very good, but offensively they could run with any team. You know, if it gets into a shootout, they'll shoot, you know, and they'll rely on you, you know, making the first mistake because offensively they just have so many weapons here. First off, it starts with Jasmine Roden, their senior quarterback, by the way, which is sad because she won't be here next year. But, you know, she's done so much for this program. You know, she has put up amazing numbers for this program as well. Once these uh, Sun Conference, all-conference teams come out, she'll probably be, 
you know, an all-conference quarterback, a first-team quarterback, you know. And so she is arguably the best quarterback in women's co college football right now. You know, you could throw in Madison Carrera if you want, but, um, and, you know, that's valid as well. But I think Jasmine Roden, as far as the passer goes, you know, she's the type of passer that, you know, she can make all the passes, you know, and even when she get when you get her out of the pocket and have her throwing off platform, she could still make all the passes. She could also run a little bit as well. So she's definitely a threat. Uh, you have a running back, Emma Wagaman, you know, someone that she checks down too often. She's going to be a threat. She racks up a lot of yards and, you know, she is somebody that's a little slippery. There's been a couple games that I've watched where she's made defenders fall down or she's like split defenders and slid through them on her way for a nice 10 or 15 yard game that shouldn't be one. So she's a slippery uh, running back to have back there. Then you have your receivers, Kennedy Foster, wide out one, probably the best receiver in the country right now, hands down. I don't think there's really too many other players close. She could run the short route, she could run deep, be your deep that, and she could be your jump ball specialist as well. She is a legit wide out one. She's dangerous. <clears throat> pretty much at any time i'm gonna be honest with you pretty much at any time especially oh my god especially when the play is breaking down and it's just her and rodin like kind of just you know playmaking like that is the worst that's like obviously one of the worst situations you could probably get yourself in because that could either be a big you know 60 70 yard touchdown or it could be a big chunk play at the very least 20 30 yards you know there's no in between and so she's a legit wide out one you also have these uh, freshman receivers and Chloe Griffin and Adriana Kaivalati who could both go crazy. Uh, Chloe Griffin, as of late, has had a couple 100-yard receiving games here. Uh, has came up with multiple big, like 30-plus yard splash plays. You know, she could get that done. Adriana Kaivalati, she kind of started the season out strong. And then, you know, has kind of taken a little bit of a backseat as Chloe Griffin has gone crazy. But there's no doubt, you know, if she's in one-on-one, you know, she could definitely also win one-on-one uh, jump ball situations because she's kind of a taller receiver and, you know, scorch some defenses as well. And so offensively, oh, and then by the way, you know, I'm going to throw this quarterback out there as well. Their backup quarterback, Haley Young, she could come in and give you a two-quarterback look as Kaiser can run that look against you if they feel like, you know, pass rushes are getting too much uh, – pressure and they needed a little bit extra time they'll run Haley Young out there put her out at receiver and then throw it to her and then she'll throw it back to Rodin and just play that back and forth and then you're just playmaking from there and so this is a team that is extremely deep on offense and you know they they should I mean you know they should be averaging 30 points a game here in the postseason probably and so St. Thomas they're gonna have their hands full for sure here I, I don't want to count St. Thomas out there out though, because they do have some athletes, including DB Deshaun Washington. In my opinion, she's the best DB in the country right now. You have DJ Paris, Dejanice Paris out there, uh, and then just so many more athletes who make up this great St. Thomas defense. I think the bigger question will be how will the St. Thomas offense, you know, battle against the Kaiser defense? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes that makes more sense honestly, because I mean. The St. Thomas offense, I feel, is the more inconsistent part of this team, right? I mean, you look at their their schedule this year. You look at their overall seven and four. In those four losses, they lost zero to 19, zero to 13, mind you, zero to 20, and 
um, six to 24. Six points across those four losses is abysmal, okay? And, you know, granted, when they win, they find ways to score points, but it is definitely the more inconsistent part of this, you know, St. Thomas squad is their ability to score points. And, you know, it is hard to beat a team three times in a season, talking from the Kaiser perspective, right? But when you've had such a chokehold on this offense and you're St. Thomas, you've got to wheel out some experimental things for this Sun Conference matchup for a chance. Because, I mean, look, you know if you're St. Thomas that you match up pretty well against Thomas University, having beat them in overtime, you know, at the beginning of this season, and, you know, having only lost 0-13 to to them in your second matchup. You, you like your odds against, you know, whether it's Thomas or even Warner in, in the championship, having also beat Warner 13-12 to and also, you know, well, initially lost that first game. But you have to get past Kaiser first. And Kaiser is the only team in this Sun Conference tournament who you have yet to beat. And it's from a complete lack of productivity on the offensive side of the ball is what it is. And, you know, even this Kaiser defense making plays, right? And it doesn't, I don't think it really matters if your defense goes play for play, like say Kaiser gets a pick and then your defense gets a pick. That doesn't matter if your offense doesn't also, you know, go point for point with this Kaiser def- uh, Kaiser offense, which it has yet to do this entire season. Yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. And it's not like St. Thomas doesn't have weapons over there. They have a lot of good receivers. Like I said, DJ Paris, you have Riona Baker, you have um, Tyler Bryant as well, who could tear it up, was tearing it up kind of here at the beginning of the season, but, you know, has had some up and down performances here. You know, that's not her fault. That's, I would say, mostly a quarterback thing. And so we'll, we'll see, you know, this, this St. Thomas offense, they need to step it up. You know, because I can almost guarantee that this defense will get you two or three turnovers. I think that's a very, you know, that, that that's a very fair thing to say. Um, maybe not two or three. three. Three might be a little much. But two turnovers, I think that's something they could definitely get. Get you two picks, you know, if they're really battling out there. And then maybe a couple, um, you know, fourth down stops as well. But that doesn't mean anything if your offense can't get a first down or, you know, can't, can't you know, score. Because uh, I think that's just the biggest thing that's going to matter here in this game. I mean, they've only scored. I mean, they've scored uh, more than three touchdowns a handful of times. The last time was against Florida Memorial, 25 to zero. That was pretty big. You know, they had also dropped 25 on Weber. You know, that's pretty good too. You need to have one of those performances against Kaiser if you want to have a chance at beating them here. You know. Um, and just, you know, force, you got, you got to, you got to convert, you know, if you get a turnover, it has to be converted into a touchdown, you know, or, or at least a very long drive. But I think that's what it's going to come down to this Kaiser or sorry. Yeah. This Kaiser defense versus the St. Thomas offense. That's, that's how this game is going to be won here. Cause I know St. Thomas defense are going to put in work. The Kaiser offense, they're going to put in work. Those are the strengths of that team. So We'll just have to see how this goes, but that'll be a close one as well. Uh, here, let's go ahead and just make some predictions here, you know, just some honest opinions here. Cody, what do you think is going to be the conference championship 
and then who is going to be the Sun Conference champion here. You don't even have to give reasons why. Just just say who it is. Just you know, straight up, you know, straight up guesses here. Uh, well, I I do want to point out first that across these two games here, um, against against Kaiser, that um, Holly of St. Thomas here has completed 34 passes out of 66 attempts for a 51% completion percentage. That's not incredibly high. She did improve from the first matchup to the second matchup, but ultimately I see Kaiser walking away with the dub in this one. That defense is just suffocating. And, you know, oh, wait, I'm, Cody. Yeah. Uh, Julian Yulkowski is the starter for St. Thomas, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they oh, for put this in upcoming Holly. game. She, well, she's been the starter. They put in Holly in as the last game because it was the last game of the season and whatnot. I feel like it probably didn't matter a lot. But I'm, Holly Julia also Kowski. started that other game against Kaiser too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so they replaced her. Um, I want to say with Yukowski in that Thomas game or sometime soon. And so Julian Yukowski has been the start. So I don't know what they're doing at quarterback, to be honest with you, because they keep going back and forth. But Yukowski has definitely started the last four or five games. Um, well, basically all the games between these Kaiser matchups. Hmm. Maybe that's the shot in the arm that they need. But uh, yeah, so you I, know, I don't know. Kaiser has, regardless, Kaiser has been a pillar of consistency this season. And so I'm going to take Kaiser in this Kaiser versus St. Thomas matchup. And man, oh, this Warner and Thomas game, I feel like is the hardest one to predict out of all of them, even including the championship. Because um, I feel like if, if Thomas wins this game, then I feel like I have Thomas as my Sun Conference champion. But if Warner wins this game, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I'm almost leaning Kaiser in a Warner versus Kaiser matchup. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Thomas, you know, repeats their success against Warner here. Um, just until Warner can show me something. And then I have Thomas winning my Sun Conference. Okay, sounds good. Our Sun okay. Conference. Okay, well, just... I'm going to pick Thomas and Kaiser in the conference championship. I just think that's going to happen. Uh, those are obviously the favorite teams, though. Wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, St. Thomas Warner or some other combination, but I'm going to go ahead with Thomas and Kaiser. I mean, they haven't given me too many reasons to believe otherwise, you know, and then I'm actually going to pick Kaiser to go ahead and defend their conference title here and win it. I think, uh, look, I think if it is a Kaiser and Thomas matchup, I'm just going to be real. For Thomas, it's going to be tough beating Kaiser a third time. Now, you are at home. You do have some advantages here. But Kaiser, just I'm just going to be honest. To be fair, to start that second matchup, they were just really, really bad <laughs> to start that game. I'm not even going to lie against Thomas. And so for them to kind of climb out of that hole that they put themselves into, to be fair – you know, was was pretty big, you know, because there were a couple opportunities here for Thomas to go up by three scores really early on, and they didn't quite get to three scores until a little bit later in this game. And so, you know, uh, that's kind of just where I'm at here. I think Kaiser, you know, hopefully, you know, they come sharp to start this game and play a full game because I really feel like 
playing against Thomas, I mean, there are definitely some things that they are shooting themselves in the foot for uh, whenever they play Thomas. And it's not like this Thomas defense isn't doing anything. Obviously, they're great, you know, so you're already battling that. But if you're Kaiser, you can't have you just can't have stupid mistakes because of yourself, you know, in those games. And so assuming they play a clean game and whatnot, you know, they don't make, you know, too many self-inflicted mistakes. I, I, I think it's still a toss up, but I think I'm going to lean towards Kaiser here, you know, to, to win the Sun Conference. And then Thomas, you know, they have a little bit more motivation going into this national tournament, which will be in Atlanta, by the way, but, you know, uh, they would have had a loss under the belt for the season. Get that out of the way and then go go make a run at that national title. And so uh, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. You know, I think Kaiser, they could definitely they could definitely win the Sun Conference here. Uh, they just got to play a clean game. You know, I think they're very like they match up really well against Thomas and whatnot. And don't get it twisted. It's going to be tough. And Thomas, they are favored in this game. You know, I'm going to acknowledge that right now. If it is a Thomas and Kaiser matchup, they're favored in every matchup because it's, you know, taking place here in Georgia and whatnot. But I just think to beat a team a third time and, he, and the other two times were decided by, you know, less than a touchdown by a score, basically, uh, you know, I, I think Kaiser might get the edge just this one time here. So uh, we'll see, you know, but that's if it's a Thomas versus Kaiser matchup, to be uh, completely honest with you. But, well, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I want to say if we do get a Kaiser and Thomas matchup, the word of the game is patience here, right? Because both defenses are incredibly talented and they do a great job of frustrating opponents by holding you to you know, two-yard gains, three-yard gains, sacking you, incompletions, right? Like, you have to know that heading into this game, if you're either team, that yards are not going to be easy to come by and to just be patient and not force anything. Whichever, you know, quarterback or offense is trying to force more plays is the team that I think is going to lose, because of just how good these defenses are at turning the at forcing turnovers and you know uh just you know it whichever team can allow the other team to make more mistakes rather than or or force the other team to make more mistakes i think is going to to walk away if those two teams meet up and on the offensive side of the ball just for the love of goodness you got to be patient if you try and force something you're going to end up losing this game yeah, no, for sure. I think, uh, I mean, if I'm Jasmine Roden for Kaiser here, you know, obviously you're going to want to take deep shots. I think you're going to need to take some deep shots here against Thomas to keep them to keep them honest, you know, because you don't want to just keep throwing a bunch of short routes because that's what they want you to do because they're going to come up and they're going to pull your flag and they're probably the best flag pullers, best tacklers in the entire country, you know, so you're going to have to take some deep shots here, but you got to... I. I I'd, like you said, I'd be careful about it. You know, don't throw into double coverage. If if it's one on one and it's a pick, that's fine. You know, your receiver should have won the one on one matchup. Most of your receivers are the type to you know be able to win jump balls anyways or scorch their defender. So like, there's no excuse for them to not be able to win that one on one matchup. If it's double coverage. 
then I wouldn't even think about it. You know, I think for Kaiser here, I mean, hey, just think methodical here, but just know that, you know, you can't just rely on the short game. There's no way. And so potentially um, just be on the lookout for Haley Young coming in and them running this two quarterback set here and uh, running a little bit more, you know, they might pull it. They might not pull it out right away, but, you know, maybe they wait into and, you know, just see how their normal offense works for the first or second quarter. And then they take out that two quarterback system in the second half to, to get a little bit of an edge here and give Thomas something to adjust to with a little bit less time. And so, you know, I think those are just some things to look out for here. I mean, you know, obviously you want to be methodical, but you got to know as well, you know, to beat this Thomas team, you're going to need some big plays. And so you're going to have to trust your receivers to win those one-on-one battles because that's what it's going to come down to most likely, you know. Um, yeah, so there you go. But, yeah, I mean, it, it should be a good day. If it's a St. Thomas and Warner matchup by somehow, that's going to be wild. I would probably take St. Thomas, you know, against Warner most likely because I think they have a slightly better defense and a couple more receivers over there. But that's just me, you know. So uh, I'm just going to throw that out there just in case that scenario happens. I could back that up. Um Okay. Warner specifically, the only thing that worries me about Warner heading into this postseason tournament is kind of their inability to close out games. I mean, we saw yeah, it very recently really against green. Thomas, and they they are very green. That's that's a great word for it. And you know, uh, St. Thomas, I think that when you have, I mean, any of these defenses. Um, outside of Warner's, you know, I think Warner is kind of the, uh, no disrespect, of course, but they probably have the weakest defensive squad, and that's not really anything against them. That's a testament to the talent of the other squads here. But when you when you match up, I mean, defense wins championships. That includes conference championships. And, you know, Warner, that means that they have to play mistake-free, whereas all of these other defenses, they can score, right? So if Warner makes a mistake on offense, it's more likely that Thomas or Kaiser or St. Thomas is going to score off of that mistake than maybe if it was Warner's defense making a play off of one of those other three teams' mistake. Yeah, no, for sure. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Also, for Warner, I know we talked a lot about Cynthia Hobbs and Madison Tinger, but there are, there are obviously other players here that can contribute. And I think I'm looking at some of these other players to really step up and probably have a couple hundred yard games to get this thing going. Because Cynthia Oms, obviously, she's going to be someone that everyone is going to be looking at, both offensively and defensively. Now, so she's going to be the focus. But lately, Trinity Kieran, she has really, you know, came on uh, these last couple weeks as that number two receiver role and has, has scorched some defenses, you know, single-handedly. She's had a couple hundred yard uh, games here. And so, you know, she's going to have to definitely step up here when she gets those chances. Uh, Nevaeh Hamilton and um, Leah Lewis and Shadi Green, you know, those players, uh, they'll probably take turns being a running back, receiver, whatever. You know, they'll they'll have to go ahead and step up here, you know. Uh, defensively, you'll have to step up as well. You know, you, you can't allow everything. Obviously, you'll have to challenge, uh, you know, posing offenses and get the ball back for your, for your own offense. So there you go. But those are just a couple names I want to throw out here. Jade Hickey as well from Newsom. You know, she's seen some playing time 
at receiver. And so really, I think, you know, you're gonna, they're going to probably double Cynthia Holmes here or at least bracket her in. And so you're going to need one of these other players like a Trinity Kieran, like a Nevaeh Hamilton to, hey, just step up, you know, and, uh, you know, take those opportunities, win those one-on-one matches, make a player miss, you know, and uh, make it happen. So I just want to give them a little bit more credit there. But they're gonna they're gonna have to you know help out Hams and Tingen here for sure. Yeah, no, it's all hands on deck here in the Sun Conference tournament if you want to walk away with the chip. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to be shooting on all cylinders, you know. So we'll have to see, and that's just the nature of this conference. You know, you gotta be a complete team defensively and offensively. And if you're not, that's what other teams are gonna attack, and that's why this conference is so good. You know, so we'll see about that. You know, this is definitely going to be a really fun one to watch. If you haven't watched women's flag football, or if you haven't had a chance to go ahead and check it out, man. I mean, um, this weekend should be good. I okay. I'm going to throw this out there, though. You do have to pay for the live stream. I think it's worth it. It's like $15 to pay for all the games. So you get the semi. I, I assume so. The semifinal games and then the conference championship. We will most likely bite that bullet. Hopefully it's on demand too, though, because we both have jobs as well. And also it's on the East Coast. So that puts us a couple hours behind anyways. So, yeah, like literally the conference championship mountain time will be starting at 1.30. And I don't think either of us will be anywhere near close to getting out of work. So just just being honest, just throwing that out there because I know we've had some messages about that. You know, uh, specifically from one of these teams. So, you know, there you go there. But, yeah, uh, check out these games, man. They'll be good. You know, semifinal games will be uh, awesome. They should be really competitive here. Either great defensive matchups or shootouts. Probably not shootouts. It'll probably just be great defensive matchups, to be honest with you. And then that conference championship, it'll be a rematch of some sort because all these teams have played each other. So we'll see about that. And that also probably gave us a really good insight into, you know, uh, the national tournament as well. This will be the last time we'll be seeing some of these contenders play until until nationals here in the second week of May. So, yeah. Cody, is there anything else you want to talk about here about this Sun Conference tournament before we briefly talk about power rankings? Look, you have friends who you've gone over to their house and they've paid like over a hundred bucks for pay-per-view of really terrible fights so pay the 15 bucks and watch great football like (laughs) i I know that's a little off topic but you you can do it all right like don't make it a bigger deal than it is so for for our for our listeners but uh, yeah. hey, no. hey, if you're on the East Coast, then just go drive there. You know, that yeah. might sound like a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I, I know I just threw out the entire East Coast kind of under the bus. Yeah. But, hey, um, Maine, drive down to Georgia. It's <laughs> probably closer than us driving out there. Not that we can afford it, anyways. But <laughs> yeah, ESPN, fly us out. Pay for our days off. Or anybody, you know, could fly us out. But uh. Yeah, hey, we'll we'll find a way to watch those games so that we can yeah. react to them next week and whatnot. You know, we'll we'll find a way. You know, just trust that. But this this should be a great environment for football. Honestly, should be a great day. I know they get started in the morning and whatnot, and so they'll just go back to back there. And then uh, that uh, conference game will be at 
Uh, well, we'll be at like 1.30 our time, but like 3.30 their time or something like that. So there you go. But uh, it should be fun. You know, it should be really fun. It's history in the making. You know, you have a first year program out there um, hosting the entire thing, which is wild. So that's obviously great. You have a program with a first year head coach out there. That would be great. You have the defending uh, some conference champs from last year, Kaiser, out there. You have a very talented St. Thomas squad, you know, who is here to stay. I'm going to be real with you as well. You know, this won't be the last time they make the Sun Conference tournament. So they'll be out here as well. So, you know, it, it should be it should be a great day for football. You have a lot of history in the making, too. Um, yeah, you have a lot of history in the making. So, yep, there you go. Uh, Cody, do you want to just go ahead and talk about power rankings real quick here? Yes. All right, so power rankings. Nothing has really changed. Let me just go ahead and look at this. Uh, really, we expected this the last couple weeks for these power rankings to pretty much stay the same unless a team got upset, um, which, you know, the only team that potentially could have been upset was Ottawa if they lost to either, you know, Midland or Kansas Wesleyan, which did not happen. So, you know, congratulations to both of them. So uh, just to go down this list, you know, this is uh, our power rankings from the last couple weeks, which have been the same. At number one, Thomas. Number two, Kaiser. Number three, Ottawa. Number four, St. Thomas. Number five, Weber. At six, we had Warner. Seven, we had Kansas Wesleyan. Eight, St. Mary's. Nine, Florida Memorial. Ten, Midland. Eleven, Cotty. Twelve, Milligan. So there you go. Uh, this week, really nothing has changed. You know, pretty much all the same, except we're going to move Warner ahead of Weber here. So Warner is now at five and Weber is at six. Whereas it was switched uh, the previous week. Other than that, everything's the same. Thomas is still one. Two is Kaiser. Did think, not going in, won't lie, did think about putting Ottawa at three, though. Um, or, sorry, at two. They were already at three uh, because they did win their conference. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see about that. And then St. Thomas here. Um, I mean, nothing too crazy happened. They're still at four. You know, they lost to Kaiser over the weekend, but. I mean, Kaiser's at two, so make what you want there. But, yeah, the only change here is Warner and Weber switching. Uh, Cody, do you just want, do you want to talk about these power rankings? I see you uh, typing here as well, where I usually talk for you, but you're here now, so. I'm here. I'm here. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, not a lot of surprises, honestly. Um, I, I jot these down usually just to get my thoughts in order. But, um, you know, Thomas, I mean, I, I put I put down that the comeback win leaves no room to move them, which is true. But I mean, it speaks for them for themselves as they head in with the number one seed and, you know, uh, home field slash state advantage in the Sun Conference tournament. So now it's just up to them to defend their name in their uh, inaugural Sun Conference tournament appearance. Um, <clears throat> Kaiser here. I have uh, this is a championship caliber defense and the defending Sun Conference champs heading into the tournament, and will do everything they can to defend their throne. These are things that we talked about in this segment itself, so no surprises here. Um, <clears throat> Ottawa dominant displays for this Ottawa team that has a suffocating defense and can make big plays with their MVP caliber QB and surrounding athletic talent. Look, Ottawa can beat you in so many ways; it's insane. And, you know, while they did struggle a little bit on, you know, their trip to Florida and whatnot, I I think that that was good for them and that this national tournament 
I think that things are kind of going the way that they want them to. I think that they're in a great rhythm uh, following, you know, whatever happens here at this Sun Conference tournament and how the national tournament might shake out here. St. Thomas, uh, just their inconsistency on offense here, just throughout the season has me very worried about this Sun Conference appearance. And, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong and, you know, this defense is championship caliber, but I got to see signs out of the offense before before I start to believe. And then I'll wrap up here at five and kind of let you give your thoughts here, Simon. But, uh, you know, Warner here, obviously, they banged up Weber pretty hard, which I think is a great shot in the arm heading into this Sun Conference tournament. I don't think that, you know, Warner or Weber, I don't think that one is significantly better than the other necessarily. So for them to come away with a huge win to end their regular season is spectacular. It helps them end with a winning record on the regular season, you know, and uh, I think inspires plenty of confidence of, you know, this Warner squad heading into the Sun Conference tournament. So, you know, I do think that they have to... Buckle up a little bit here on the defensive side of the ball and make some big plays there to kind of match the energy that the other three Sun Conference teams have. But uh, I really like them as a potential spoiler here um, in the tournament. Uh, Simon, what do you think of these top five teams here? I mean, you and I agreed on it. And uh, what do you think of, you know, the one piece of movement here from this past week? Nothing too crazy. I mean, Warner and Weber have been really close. Weber, ah, look, man, they they were kind of right on that cusp. You know, they've had a very up and down season. They've shown that they can't beat some of these top dogs here, but it's just consistency with them, you know, and so that's why they're at six. That's why they're not in the Sun Conference tournament either, you know, and so going to Nationals will be really interesting. So I think they're probably the ultimate wild card, honestly. Like, they're a team that, could you know get hot for a couple games here you know on a weekend and uh you know just really really just like light it up you know and so that's uh that's definitely a team to look out for in nationals but other than that now rest of these teams here i mean obviously ottawa uh they won their conference so that's big time rest of these teams it'll be really interesting to see them play them and just kind of see how uh you know this uh this turns out you know look if every team wins and uh, well, if every team that's favored wins, then, you know, nothing changes, obviously. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's an upset, you know, right, right before Nationals, because, you know, some teams might be feeling themselves a little bit more than they should. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, this this Weber squad here at six, there is a lot to look forward to in Nationals. But I think that there's also a lot to be worried about. I mean, they just have made so many tiny mistakes throughout this year that, you know, it, it's one of those things where they start to add up. You know, it's they've death by paper cutted themselves, you know, throughout this season and out of the Sun Conference tournament. And when you have teams that make a bunch of little mistakes like that, I mean, we just saw it with Kansas Wesleyan in the KCAC. And, you know, while... Ken's Wesleyan was able to make it to the tournament, um, you know, because it's it's a little bit less stout over there in the KCAC. Um, it's still a similar way of looking at both these teams where it's like, yeah, no, they can compete, 
but have they shown me the mental strength and the maturity and the consistency that I need to believe in them heading into nationals? Question mark, right? I've seen the high end of what both these teams can do. And I think that it's the best. It, it can be up there with the best of them, but their lows and how often they trip and stumble is what uh, places a cloud of doubt here. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. You know, but we'll see. You know, when it comes to nationals, obviously you have pool play. So that'll happen. And then after that, I mean, you have two or three games to play, right? Anybody could get hot for two or three games, especially when they're back to back. You know, and so it's it's really any given day when it comes to nationals, man, because, you know, you could be having a kind of a up and down season. And then all of a sudden near the end, you find yourself on the ups, you know, and uh, I mean, look, they, they have the potential to really blow out some teams. You know, we saw what they did to Ottawa. That wasn't a fluke. They played very well. You know, it wasn't like Ottawa was shooting themselves in the foot. Weber made plays. You know, and so this is what we'll, we'll, we'll just see about them. You know, I'm, I don't want to count them out or make any uh, bold prediction against them, but uh, we'll see, you know, because I feel like just as much as they're capable of making some tough uh, self-inflicted mistakes, they are capable of getting it together and just being a just a tough force to deal with. So um, there you go. Uh, what about the back end of these power rankings, Cody? What do you think about them? Well, okay. So on the back end here, I mean, I'm just going to fire them off. You know, we talked about Weber and KWU here at 6 and 7. 8, 9, 10, 11. Um, well, okay, 12, you have Milligan, but I don't have anything to say. Uh, hopefully we see them in the national tournament, but... Oh, you can't see me. I'm shrugging my shoulders because I have no idea. But uh, anyways, you know, Midland here, I was tempted to raise a conversation on potentially moving them up following their semifinal or you know their uh wild card win over Cotty. you know they still won a game in the kcac tournament but the missed plays is what lands them here at 10 because this is a very different game if they get those 12 points that they left on the field between the deep strike down the right sideline and, you know, I'd say probably that slant route over the middle is the one that should have been the points. I know it was a diving catch attempt, you know, so it was a hard catch to make. But, you know, those 12 points, they really could have used that in that game against Ottawa. And I think that the score, the final score looks very different if you have momentum, if you have two touchdowns to close that gap against Ottawa and or even potentially take a lead depending on how the points shake out, right? So, you know, missed opportunities, but definitely someone to keep an eye on heading into internationals, honestly. But uh, FMU, you know, they don't give me any reason to move them down and their defense can literally shut down anyone. It's, you know, their offense that I hope is, you know, installing, you know, maybe some, you know, plays that they're like really confident in and they're very comfortable running and, you know, they can get a quick pickup of yards and whatnot or maybe they're installing some trick plays and they get you know like double reverse pass or you know maybe some crazy stuff just to generate some offense because i mean the offense has just been stuck in the mud you know um for this fmu squad here at nine i realize that i'm kind of jumping around 10 9 12 here a little bit but uh, that's what happens when Cody Stoffer gets on the show to talk about power rankings, because that's how my mind works. But, uh, 
you know, going back in the original order here, I have St. Mary's here at eight because, oh man, they easily could be, they should be probably number seven right here after getting that lead and having a perfect opportunity to put a nail in the coffin. But really, I mean, Angel Roman just made one of the best plays of the entire season. I'm willing to say that Angel Roman pick six was one of the best plays of the entire season thus far. And, you know, if, if there was a play of the year that that could be a high candidate, honestly, because of the timing and just the athleticism and everything. And then St. Mary's is just the unfortunate soul on the other end of a great, great play. And, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Like Simon, you were mentioning that this is going to be an interesting offseason and that there's a lot of turnover on the horizon for this Spire squad. So we'll see kind of what they look like uh, heading into the future. Simon, if you want to recalibrate the listeners and kind of talk about our 8, 9, 10 here and then give your thoughts on uh, Cotty's KCAC season, uh, go for it. Well, I don't have too much to say. I, I kind of already said 8, 9, 10. I mean, that's St. Mary's, FMU Midland. Uh, St. Mary's, they had their chance. They just didn't get it. You know, I think, look, you can't dwell on the past. Obviously, you can learn from it, but right now you're going into nationals and you do have a couple of seniors who have been here before. And so you know, I think you you just got to look forward towards nationals and be ready to play. You know, uh, that's what it will come down to. So there you go. Uh, FMU, they didn't play this last week, so nothing too crazy. Or wait, did they play this last week? I can't remember. I don't think they did. <clears throat> but, I mean, defensively, they're tough. For sure, you know, they're definitely one of the top defenses uh, in the country. Offensively, uh, I don't know. You know, they they definitely need a quarterback. They've tried working around it, you know, valiantly, if I might add. But it's just uh, it's just a tough go. So we'll see about FMU. You know, Midland, I mean, they stay here. A lot of optimism, though, obviously, because of uh, how close they played Ottawa. So they need to build on that. So we'll see about that. And then at 11, we have Cotty. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they're they're continuing to rebuild here. It's definitely going to be a learning season for them and whatnot, and that includes this Nationals tournament. They have a lot of young players on that squad, and so this will just be a really good experience for them to, you know, just just enjoy it, right? You know, get out there, you know, have some fun, learn, obviously, and then, you know, go, get back to the drawing board this offseason and continue to get better as they build a very good program out there, you know? But, you know, this group, of uh, young players they have over there at Connie, this freshman group, you know, that's going to be the core moving forward. And so, you know, I just suggest, you know, hey, have fun and learn the most you can uh, moving forward, you know, not only from this last season, but from this national tournament as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you you summarized FMU's last game uh, against uh, St. Thomas. I mean, it was just 25 zil. Um, so it's whatever. Uh, keeping them kind of here at nine. But uh, yeah, I agree with everything you say. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for this Sun Conference tournament. And furthermore, very, very excited for for Nationals. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, there you go. But uh, that'll actually wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner here. You know, thank you so much for rocking with us. I know this is kind of a longer episode, but there's a lot to talk about here as we are entering the last couple weeks of the season. Uh, no award update race for today. We are going to probably start cutting down um, some of these awards 
uh, award races to our final four. You know, we are partnering with NAIA uh, football or NAIA football, I guess. You know, not not the official NAIA, um, you know, um, entity, I guess, but uh, another media outlet that covers, you know, everything NAIA when it comes to football, both women's flag football and regular football. So go ahead and check them out. But we'll be partnering with them and, you know, talking through some of these final four lists. And so uh, be on the lookout for our end of the year awards. Those will probably drop uh, probably near the end of the season. You know, we'll we'll vote. Well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll vote at the end of the season. So be on the lookout for that. And if you want to look out for that, go ahead and follow us on our social medias. That's at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. All our news should be streaming through those. If you want to stay updated on episodes and, you know, more uh, schedule stuff like that. And just see more content as well. And speaking of content, go ahead and, you know, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, we hit 70 uh, subscribers, so thank you so much for that. You know, we are posting these episodes on there whenever we can, hopefully. Uh, we're also posting our Twitch streams on there as well. So go ahead and uh, check out our YouTube channel for more content there. And then uh, follow us on Twitch. You know, we are, shoot, we're a handful of followers away from affiliate, I'm pretty sure. And so that once we hit affiliate, we'd actually be able to make money because we definitely do all this for free. And don't get it twisted. It's fun to do this. We love covering uh, not only women's flag football, but football in general in Colorado and around the country. But, you know, we'd like to also have some of our expenses paid for because <laughs> um, this podcast isn't cheap. We try to bring it to you uh, at full, you know, at, at a good quality. So, you know, um, follow us. Give us a follow there. And that would help us out a lot. So, um, yeah. And then uh, just kind of a little bit of an update here. So this episode is dropping on Wednesday. I know usually we have our recaps on Friday, but there's no Thursday game, so we're just going to drop it on Wednesday. And so that's when this will come out. On Friday, though, we do have a big episode. We're going to spotlight a handful of players here. I believe Cody and I are each picking two or three women's flag football players, um, either seniors or juniors in high school right now. And we're going to do a film breakdown on them. We're going to talk about what makes their game great, you know, uh, some things they could probably work on moving forward. And uh, their future, you know, guys, uh, most of these players will probably play women's flag football and be some players that we talk about here in the future, here in the coming years. And so we want to spotlight the future of this game. And then also, speaking of the future of this game, go ahead and check out our last episode where we interviewed two players in Deja Fanning and Savannah Cox. Uh, Deja Fanning has committed to Florida Memorial, so she'll be joining that great defense over there. They're getting a heck of a defensive player in Russia. And then Midland will be getting Savannah Cox, a fantastic two-way player who can play offense and defense. We interview both of them, talk about their experiences over at Leonard High School, um, their football experiences in general, and uh, all that great stuff. So check out that interview. And then last but not least, best of luck to all the Florida teams who are now hitting the playoffs. 
Uh, I know the first trend has happened. They are in districts right now. We here at Playmakers Corner are specifically following Newsom and Leonard uh, closely. We may not be posting about them too much or talking about them on the podcast, but we're definitely following both of their uh, both of those teams and their success. And uh, you know, because we have a lot of players that we have formed uh, good connections with over there, like uh, Devin Silvestri, who we've interviewed, like um, the Ludwigs who, you know, we've done breakdowns on and we'll hopefully get onto the show soon here. And then obviously all the Leonard girls, uh, Savannah, Caitlin, Emma, Deja, all those great players out there. And so, you know, best of luck to all those Florida teams, though, and all of our PMC fam. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say. I know that's been a lot. Oh, interviews. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there in case you're still listening. If you are a women's college flag football player, we'd love to interview you, especially if you happen to be on the all-conference list. Uh, we'd love to interview you. Uh, so, you know, if you'd be interested, go ahead and reach out to us. We'll definitely be reaching out to a couple players as well as we do want to get more of those interviews on here. So, yeah. Cody, is there anything you want to say? I have been one of your co-hosts for this episode, Cody Stoffer. And I'm Coach V. We will see you when uh, we do our film breakdowns on Friday. See ya. Peace.